0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Marissa. I'm Brian. (laughs) I'm Luke. I am Misa. And we're going to talk about Altered Carbon, a 2002 science fiction novel by Richard K. Morgan. Uh, I think I reviewed it in 2004 or five, and I uh, read my review, and uh, I kind of still agree with most of it. Um, pretty good book. What do you guys think of it? Yeah, that's what I thought then. I thought it was a pretty good book. Mm-hmm. It, was,
2: uh, it was nice to see Cyberpunk uh, continuing when it came out. I like the uh, mashup with... Uh, Classic film noir detective stuff. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the, uh, the, what was then science fiction sleeve. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, it still seems up to date. It still seems modern, even though it was 17 years ago. No, 16 years ago. That's, uh, that's an old book in science fiction mm. terms, but um, it <laughs> still feels futuristic on uh, television when they adapted it.
3: Yeah. I, uh, I think this is the, either the third or fourth time I read this book because I read it when it came out. And then I read it again when I was reading through the series. And then I read it again to review it for my podcast, which uh, everything that I do on my podcast, I think, oh, that must be recent because I read that book and reviewed it on my podcast. But I've now been doing my podcast 10 years. Just this month is or last month is 10 years of my podcast. So it was 2009. I, I, I read, this, uh, read this book 2009. So uh, uh, yeah, uh, I gave it four stars back then. So uh, see if it holds up.
4: Wow, I'm the outlier here. I did not like it.
1: Wow, no, interesting. No,
4: it's just too, too heavy, too violent, too everything, and I just, I just kept on blanking out, going, oh, I can't listen. <laughs> it's just too much.
1: Wow. Oh well, I, I, there are many things that bother me about the book. Um, I think the number one thing is. Uh, and I saw YouTube, somebody did a, you know, the differences between the TV show and the book is that the TV show sex scenes aren't sort of horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of sex scenes in this book. Um, no, there isn't. There are, there are two sex scenes in this book. <laughs> well, they seem to go That's on it. forever.
3: They <laughs> are they are long um, and they are graphic, but there are only two sex scenes in the, I just, uh, in the I book. I
1: think you're right. I think there are only two, but they seem to go on for. Novella they length.
3: mention they mention him having sex quite a few times because there's sort of like an ongoing thing and then there's like another character who have sex like off screen how, if you if about, think about if it know,
1: but strictly speaking talk about the sex scenes just the number of times he becomes tumescent is um, is
5: <laughs> oh, God, yes, I noticed that. I didn't notice that when I read this year, back in the day, but now, yes, yeah, like he's being aroused. He's aroused. Yeah. It's like, oh, do we need to see this again?
2: I,
3: well, I, I think, think you do. I, I think, think you do. I think this to, is a major yeah. part. I think this is a major part of the book is not, is having partial control over your body or not having Mm -hmm. full control of your body because it's not his like a massive part of this is what's it like to be a mind in somebody else's body and i think a big part of it is him not having control over Mm -hmm. his penis like he doesn't understand the connection between him and ortega and he doesn't understand and then of course it becomes clear you know pretty soon that there's some history there and then when he
6: understands
3: Yeah. His dick understands and his dick knows what it wants and things like that. And I do think that's a very important part of the book that Mm -hmm. your biology and your mind, you are one thing. I mean, we are one, like I am one thing. I am my penis and my brain. But in this case, in this world with the altered carbon, with the stacks and the sleeves, you are different. You are, there is a disconnect between the, um, between the, the penis and the brain. Like that's what a lot of this book is it's a it's one of the main drivers of the plot you're like oh we'll just take out all mentions of his penis but then no. that is
1: what the book y- is that's y- what Bancroft
3: right. is doing that's what the book is about so
1: yeah I, I i completely agree i i think my my problem was not the tumescent scenes where he is interacting with this new body or other people are interacting with whatever body they're in uh yeah but rather you know when it comes down to the technical uh, those two particular quote-unquote love scenes, they are uh, just hard to hard to listen to a narrator <laughs> narrate. Um, <laughs> I know that there there are worse ways of doing it, like not describing body parts, but uh, I, I, it's not Richard K. Morgan's forte. Um, he's I, and and you know honestly, I'm not a big fan of the action either. Uh, I I think that it's handled better on. On screen, um, because you know the the yeah. love of the guns wa- is the kind sorry, of same I just way. Just as the love I've not of watched the- a
3: TV show yet.
1: So okay, well, the love of the guns I'm- that happens in yeah. the book, the the reliance on sort of the the sheen of the of the blades and stuff, all that stuff is less is less intrusive when it's visual. Um, it's more intrusive in the same way that the sex scenes are more intrusive, I think, uh, in in the book. but but honestly, I don't care about any of that because it it's a really interesting idea book, and mm-hmm. I really like interesting ideas, and this this book has them. I, I couldn't read the second book, uh, so I can't say if if there are any ideas going on in it. Or in the third why book. You, why, why couldn't you read the second book? the uh, narrator kept pronouncing the guy's name wrong. Oh, <laughs>
0: oh really? Oh, okay, that's a story. Yeah,
1: answer. and a, a narrator is a friend of mine too. So I, I was like, he said, "Why aren't you reviewing my book?" I was like, "Dude, you're pronouncing his name wrong right from the beginning of the book." And no. uh, it was a, they so changed narrators says for some reason yeah. instead of Kovacs. Yeah, exactly.
3: All and, right, so here it's this book. I, did we all listen to the audio book on this one? Because you you. Hmm. Uh, this nope. we are on SFF audio. Ryan, yeah,
1: you didn't. Yeah, yep.
3: did not. Ah, OK. Well, it's read by Todd McLean. I just want to say I made a few notes about his reading. First of all, he did get he actually mispronounced some words and got some words yeah. mixed up. Um, and sometimes I was like, oh, maybe that's just an alternate. Um, It's just an alternative Uh, pronunciation. But then at one point, like near the end of the book, I made this. He said there's a casual link between the two. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that should be causal link. It's a causal yeah, link, not yeah. a casual link. So he just misread that. Um, okay. and the other thing that I think is very funny is that Bancroft has the same voice as Mr. Burns from the Simpsons. He's doing, <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> <That was laughs> hilarious. and, and I was like, it is, is this on purpose? Is he doing like the rich old guy voice on purpose? But that's, that's just a note that I made about some of the, uh, uh, well, here's, yeah, here's the the I mean, we're,
2: we're talking about a book from 2002, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, thinking about the violence and thinking about the sex, um, the um, I wonder if it would be correct to interpret this as a book about the first year of the war on terror, hmm. um, much much like we look at um, TV shows like uh, the Battlestar Galactica reboot um, as a response to uh, uh, a new age, a sudden age of global war. Uh, I mean, it's interesting to me that we have um, uh, the main character being a mercenary, uh, I and mean, that's his primary identity, not mm-hmm. a private detective. And that's for me. That's always a quick reading about his obsession with uh, with weapons, as that's part of his identity.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but I wonder if that's not uh, a ghost in uh, in the book. I haven't. Noticed, I've watched about half of the series so far, and I don't get a vibe of that um, off of it. But um, I, I wonder if that's not part of the explanation for the violence and weapons.
3: Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not I, sure. I, it says it was published in February 2002. I think that's a little bit close for it to be written after 2001. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, it would
5: have
4: yeah, it would have written
5: it was like 2000, no. 2001. So yeah, so I think. Yeah, that is a, I, I
3: can feel a lot. And of also, echoes. it's a first novel, so it could have been taken 10, 10 years to write, maybe. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you're right.
1: A lot of the people in um in this podcast have been on shows. I've been doing this sort of are prep for this, um, mm-hmm. like there's been a bunch of hard-boiled mysteries set in san francisco for example what was do we yep. do the big sleep no that's los angeles right no we did yeah. the maltese falcon Maltese Falcon. Yes. there's one yep. right and this is uh this has got a a mystery set in bay city right with all this exact kind of mystery i mean this is the cool. setup for the traditional hard-boiled right. detective private eye novel
5: and when, when I read this book back in 2004, 2005, I didn't pick up on any of that because, I mean, I'd seen the multi-talk but really had not had any really immersion into that as a reading genre. Mm-hmm. So I – in some ways I appreciate this book more having – since we have gone through some hard-boiled novels, I was able to pick up like, OK, so Mrs. Bancroft's being the femme fatale here. He's totally. acting like a noir detective. I, I, so I pick up all the tropes I didn't pick up. 10, 12 years ago. It's just like, okay, now I can see what Richard Morgan is really doing and how he's playing off those tropes and putting them into a cyberpunk, uh, post, uh, human environment.
1: It is, a, then, it is actually a murder mystery, right? That's it that. It's a murder.
5: It's, it's a locked room murder mystery at sure, that. It's like, sure. <laughs> this couldn't possibly be a murder. This could have happened. It had to be a suicide
1: that's right and it's got the false ending which which sometimes we get with these kinds of books yeah you think it's
3: all wrapped up and then Ashley, oh no there's one more clue which sets off the last section yeah
1: and and it and it treats the the crime scene in the same way right he he doles out the the facts we are with the detective as he goes on this journey and we see the same facts he does so if if it's timed properly and i think it was timed pretty well we pretty much figure out exactly what's going on as the hero protagonist does.
4: See, so having done those podcasts, what, what m- this one, it just missed that whole lightness of being that's in those <laughs> other noir ones. They, they you know, there's such a light touch. Um,
1: yes, this as opposed is to they, very, very dark. It feels like a first novel, too, though, if you... I mean, it, it's very well done for a first novel, but you know, he's not a short story writer who came out of that. He he started as a novelist. He's he's put out a bunch of novels, and and that's really it. So, um, I, I'm I'm still very very satisfied with with this book, despite its its issues, um, because I think what he did was he merged very 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 well a. A uh, hard boiled detective novel with uh, a real science fiction idea that I, I don't know how how technologically feasible it actually is and uh, but I think it's incredibly interesting to think about. Um the fact well, it, that is that sorry, go okay. for it. Okay. No, I was just saying how plausible it is. I, I, I looked at
3: the, just the top of the Wikipedia page for Altered Carbon TV show, and it says this is like alien technology. So there's all this Martian Martian technology in the, and the stacks is actually like an alien technology. So yeah. it doesn't have to explain, oh, how do humans mm-hmm. get this technology, the brain stack technology, but then the rest of the technology isn't at the same level. It's It seems to be, about, again, I haven't seen the TV show, but it
2: yeah. seems to
3: be like, oh, leftover alien tech. So we don't need to really understand it as long as it works. It can be a story device.
2: I, I think- the whole thing but so far the show doesn't really emphasize uh alien stuff
5: no uh, uh, no i i i watched a little further than you Bart, and i haven't finished it yet and it's made clear in the show that it's the technology for the stacks is all alien and that's that i would nope. you tend to watch the rest of the show i don't know how much i want to spoil it it's
3: please don't because i want to
1: watch it next oh, next oh, except for, oh, 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 okay, except for okay, minor okay. minor changes that are oh, yeah okay. unimportant
5: okay. Well, but, but I think it becomes important because of the motivations of a character that get revealed right at the episode is finished. The fact that this is an alien technology is very important to one of the to one uh, of the can... change characters. So I'm not going to say any more about I've that. I've seen for... the
1: whole thing. I don't know what you're talking about.
3: <laughs>
5: I, I'll save it for after the podcast. Okay. Yeah,
3: like... yeah. Do so because Jesse doesn't care about spoilers, but literally everybody else who might
1: be listening does. So I disagree. It. I disagree. I think. Uh, there are a vast majority Yes, but every, of, for every person who
3: doesn't care about spoilers, it, it what you're about to say doesn't matter, and for everybody who does care about spoilers, it, I wasn't about, about to say doesn't
1: matter I wasn't about to say anything What I really don't care about is ever having to use that word or having this conversation <laughs> okay. okay. That's really okay. what I really don't care about. What I can okay. tell you is that I don't care the origin, I care about the idea of the the stack technology the thing about consciousness downloading uploading and all that is oh. is i'm not sure that it it can work uh as a uh, separable thing um if you can model a human mind and put it in a into a thing smaller than a human mind i'd be very impressed at that concept it's very cool that it might be doable but when, once you take that on board as the technology given Magical technology. I think Morgan does a really interesting job of creating a whole economy that works inside of that system. So the fact that nobody, real death, doesn't exist uh, as a major uh, problem for people, and the homicide department of San Francisco Police Department is not called that anymore. It's called Organic Damage because nobody actually gets killed anymore. Almost that's right. It's a good, sign
2: uh, that's mm-hmm. a good, sign. Uh,
1: transformed language. Absolutely, and it, it 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 takes this this concept of now, in fact, capitalism can go a step further, right? It, it can't just it can't just repossess your car and your home, it can also repossess your body, mm. and and sell that, and and you have to try and get a mortgage out on your <laughs> on your own born skin, right? And then for the the mess, the the people at the top, and this might be slightly more developed in the show, uh, just see, visually seeing what uh, the riches of, of the ultra-capitalist uh, winners look like, the fact that they can essentially live forever, and all the, the plebs, you know, they're lucky to keep their own first body and then go on storage for the rest of their existence. That is... A really interesting. This is actually, I think, sort of underdeveloped in this book. But if you if you look at what Richard Morgan's really good at in uh, Market Forces and other of his novels, he really yeah. does understand ca- global capitalism in a way that very few science fiction writers do. This is like a um, a sort of an up to me. It feels like a sort of an updated version of Neuromancer with all the the cool the cool feelings that you get when when case is you know disparaging the meat the meat sack that his body is and just filling it with drugs. I, I, I don't know of a book that has this much smoking in it. Um, <laughs> but, but that's what you get when you know you're not it's not even your own body you're wrecking.
6: Right? Yeah, he's really good with those details, like mm-hmm. even though the, the technicality of, yeah, that's not really how brains work that you know putting something in that you could swap your identity around but um the every little detail like feeling sleeve sick and having your your personality start feeling fragmented from being in other bodies and
1: Mm -hmm. double sleeving right
6: yeah yeah cross sleeving like there's so many cool details like i feel like i could just i could read like a thousand stories in this world
1: well there's two there's there's at least two more (laughs) but i saw a tweet this morning from uh from Morgan, and it looked like there might be a fourth book coming because.
6: Yeah, I saw it on next the
1: TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
6: good. I saw the second book though was more of a military story, which yes. straight away puts me off. Like, I want to read about all the little people, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: more detectives. The take third book stories. The third book is we just skip straight to the third book. The second book. Okay. <laughs> I've read. I've read them all. I mean, it was more than well, fifteen years ago when I read them, but yeah, Broken Angels is military science fiction with big dumb objects in space and things like that, which uh. is actually good fun because it's a complete. Different. It's like a, like in this book, it's all, you know, noir, detective, whatever. And then that is sort of like, right, now let's do military science fiction. And then the third book is much more about the, the quellist um, struggles on his home, home world, you know, kind of more like, hey, we're the little guys and we're revolting against the, the, the what they call them, the meths? Mm-hmm. Methuselah, yeah. Me, yeah. Methuselah class um, so yeah the third book kind of picks up and to be honest because he gets transferred from place to place in planet to planet you might as well just skip Broken Angels if it doesn't if it doesn't feel like what you want to do mm. um, oh, the, the ideal series then. It's a yeah yeah it really is it's because it's like hey this guy is just in a different body uh, like there'll be a different character there'll be a different actor playing him in the next series mm-hmm. and some, you know, <laughs> like, he's like the Doctor or James Bond it's just like oh fuck it let's just go for with a different guy or woman I don't know oh, what yeah. to do so um, TV,
6: the TV show could just go forever as well, like unlimited yeah, actors. Just, like, <laughs> yeah,
2: swap, swap it, it in. in. Terrifying. This is
1: well, the future. It, it, yeah, they're going to do the backs, the backflashes back to his original actor, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think uh, what's so funny is that I haven't seen any criticism of this book, uh, or sorry, this t- the TV show, based on the things that normally should trigger a lot of people which is, um, you know, casting people who are not uh, of the race that their name is or something. Oh, there was.
4: Some. And there's yeah. a big backlash about that.
1: Is there? How can uh, there yeah. be? It makes yeah. no like. If you have any knowledge of how this works, is it is like, um, that's the whole cool. It's it's basically racism proof, right? No, there was
2: one piece yeah. I that was uh, that was really bad. It was very funny, accidentally funny, where. Um, the first part of the article said, um, well, this is a problem because uh, it's it's white it's whitewashing yeah. mm-hmm. uh, because the uh, main character is part of the time Asian-American or Asian straight out. And I'm reading this thinking, huh, that's weird because that's in the book and that's yeah. in the show. And so the next paragraph is, well, it's actually in the book. But besides that, so it's kind of loose. <laughs> okay. And I said, well, it doesn't show enough of the Asian identity. And I thought. It's weird because we saw the agenda. Next paragraph is well, okay. Besides where it does show it, it (laughs) does. I mean, mean, there's a great scene when uh, this is not a spoiler. This is actually a little technical detail. When the character wakes up, looks at himself in the mirror, and two different faces go back and forth. Right. Um, I mean, it's that's that's in the book. Yeah. It's a nice bit. Yeah, and and, but for visual storytelling, it's 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 very effective uh, as well. Um, so I, I, I was I, I thought actually writing a blog post about it, but I thought, no, nah, it wouldn't be worth it. It's too embarrassing.
3: <laughs> Yesterday or two days ago, we saw on the Amazon Prime uh, TV app uh, that there was the Ghost in the Shell t- from 2017, the r- most recent Ghost in the Shell version, yeah. the live action yeah. version. And we put it on and I knew about the the whole, uh, you know, whitewashing this and why. And I was like, well, I, I just won't let that. I'll just put that aside. I'll just accept that that's a part of the, you know, the movie making. And I'll just try and put it aside and just not concentrate on that and just watch the movie for what it was. And we got about 45 minutes in and we just couldn't we just couldn't keep going. Not only because of that, because it was also not very good. Mm. But it was it was it, it was kind of surprisingly like even knowing how much com- how many complaints there were about the whitewashing and how bad the whitewashing was going to be, even after all of that, watching it was like, oh, shit, this is way worse <laughs> in those regards than we even thought about. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I it, it can't let me put it this way. I haven't watched a TV show. It can't be as bad as the ghost in the shell.
5: Oh, remake. no, it's definitely, no, it's definitely not.
3: Okay, well, at least it's a step up from that. I, I
1: don't want to, since not everybody's watched all of the TV show. I don't want to spend too much time. None on of it. us, yep.
3: none of us have watched all of it.
1: Well, some, some have watched yeah. some. Um, Maisa, did you? You went down to Florida for, for? Was it specifically for the launch of the Falcon no, Heavy? No, it
4: was just a happy coincidence.
1: But you were you the, were you a witness?
4: I did. I saw the. I saw it. I was. I was Sweet. amazed like everybody else. Saw them yeah. come back. Yeah, it was amazing.
1: That is pretty amazing. Um, uh, so I, uh, did you get a chance to see much of it? I I saw the whole series. Wow. Okay. All right. So I, 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 I did put this out on Twitter. I don't know if Luke got tagged because maybe it was private messaged or whatever, but um, I wanted to make sure everybody took note of, uh, the wife of Bancroft, uh, Mrs. Bancroft, what she called uh, Miriam, Miriam Miriam Bancroft, took, right? I, yeah, um, I was like, show. what do you
6: mean? Like, you mean her <laughs> <nipples>? <laughs> No, like,
1: no, <laughs> not not the nipples. <laughs> Just the fact that, like, I wanted you to to make note uh, so that you would have her in your mind when I tell <laughs> this story. Um, okay. So I'm 99% sure, maybe 99.5% sure that I, I'm talking about the same person. I went to elementary school with that actress. Okay, I'm recording this a month later, that 0.5% number I gave. Um, that's where my slippage is, and it turns out that my sister pointed out that it was not Kirsten Lehman, but rather a friend of hers named Crystal, and I will give her last name because she's not a celebrity, um, who I had punched in the face. Um, they did go to the same school at the same time as me, but I am wrong. So this story you're about to hear or hear me complete is incorrect. And I just wanted that to be on the record. Um, Kirsten Lehman or Kristen Lehman. Um, and, uh, I have a story about punching her in the face, which (laughs) (laughs) I am not a hundred percent proud of, but, um, I think is justifiable at the time and uh she isn't she is her her character on the show is not the greatest person either so there's either <laughs> either <laughs> either but
3: uh um... there's so much coming out jesse yeah.
1: yeah well actually you know it, it actually is i think there is a lot coming out because i was thinking about why i liked and it's strange because most people don't when they're i don't know 14 15 16 years old when they're reading uh, they don't turn immediately to James M. Kane and say, yes, this, you know, and it's like, oh, my God, because these stories of betrayal, <laughs> you know, wives betraying husbands um, and husbands betraying wives and and sort of just a terrible crash of destiny. Okay. Um, thinking about, like, why I was so so uh, attracted to these very um, horrible stories about femme fatales, basically. Uh, I, I can see sort of, I think there's something even in the end of this book that says something like, um, your, yeah, it's when the two, um, the double sleeved, uh, actors or not character, the two Takeshi Kovaches have to decide which one of them is going to survive after, Uh you know, they do the rock, paper, scissors thing. Um, and they say, you know, childhood memories are the ones that set the set the program, right, so that anything else after that. So when I was a kid, um, I moved down to where I am now, Coquitlam, B.C., from northern B.C., and uh, had to go to a new school. And the very first day I was there, I guess we were going there early for some reason, um, there was only two kids in the whole school. And one was me, and the other was uh, Kristen Lehman. And Hmm. so we had a really nice long chat, you know, me telling her, you know, everything about me. And I guess she telling her, me, everything about her. And then the next time I saw her was in school when it actually started. And she had told everybody everything about me, including all my sad (laughs) stories about how my father had died recently um, about uh. how we had moved down from northern BC, right? Now, of course, I don't have all the nice clothing, and this is, like, I think this is grade six. Um, so we didn't get along very well, this uh, Kristen, Lee, <laughs> and me, after that, because I felt betrayed. And then one day we're doing some sort of field field work, you know, like uh, outside, and uh, we're in line for something. She butts ahead of me in line. I'm like, you can't do that. And I, she refuses my words so I physically move her out of it you know and she punches me in the face
0: Wow
1: <laughs> so I punched her back in the face and that's my story of punching Wow,
0: uh, the, wow.
1: <laughs> they're all in the face. Um, so uh, I was thinking about how you know that's that's very inappropriate're not supposed to hit women um, yeah but I also I think that the, the hitting of women that happens in this uh, is perfectly legitimized by uh, <laughs> bad behavior <laughs> um so i think that i think that there is something true about what's going on in you know if you read a certain fiction and it resonates with you it probably is resonating for a reason and it, it probably does have to do with you know personality formation so mm-hmm. uh, if if mysa <laughs> You don't have the same attraction to this book as I do.
4: Uh-huh.
1: I mean, it might be because you didn't have enough trauma in your early life.
4: (laughs) Perhaps it was a different sort of trauma, Jesse. Yes. Well, everybody has trauma, I guess.
1: (laughs) You didn't have the right kind of trauma. Right. Maybe it's because uh, you
3: don't have a penis to think about and write about all the time.
4: (laughs) I have have these boobs. I mean, you know, they they could have had all kinds of experiences in in other bodies that... (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Are you saying that if we uh, if we did this podcast and we all re-sleeved and it'd do bodies, it would be a, a different podcast?
6: That would be so would interesting.
2: Be
3: yeah.
4: yeah,
3: sleeve. Game. I have I have a, a lot of these weird connections with things that I see because I'm an identical twin, and, and growing up with an identical twin, mm. you don't you you don't actually have your own personality, and there's lots of personality things that I notice about myself and have kind of seen in myself and you know and can identify with with uh with fiction which is coming down to like growing up and not being a single human unit in my own as as my Mm -hmm. own thing you know and so uh like when I was a kid at, at school, like my brother would do something wrong and the teacher would just be like, right, Luke and Nathan, go and see the head teacher. And I'm like, I, I didn't do anything. And they're like, go. And that would be it. You know, sort of like. The, <laughs> oh. uh, and there's lots of other things apart from that. But it's just one kind of small thing. Yeah. It, 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 things that happen and, you know, different connection, brain connections. You see when the you young, ever, things that happen when you're young. Did you ever yeah. switch
4: and be your brother? Did you ever play Sleeves?
3: Again, this is what everybody was asked about: being a, being an identical twin. The thing is, people get us mixed up all the time, anyway, and it's kind of tedious and annoying and boring after a while. So when people <laughs> say, "Do you like ever pretend to be each other?" It's like that's not the fun game. Like that's not the fun thing to do. No, but know? I meant
4: like in, in sort of within this context to like actually try and in, in, experience it as if you were him, like to you know.
3: The only the closest that came was actually at my sister's wedding because generally Nathan would um, have his uh, have his hair quite long and I would normally have it short you know that was kind of like one of the things that people would use to tell us apart um, and then the week before my sister's wedding I wasn't around in the hometown where she lived and my parents still do live actually they all still live there uh, my brother would hang out and then on the morning of the wedding he got his hair cut and I turned up on the morning of the wedding and for some reason I'd been growing my hair out a bit so I actually had long hair and everybody Got us mixed up, including you know my sister, my parents, my brother's <laughs> wife, my <laughs> other sister. Like everyone would just be like Nathan, Nathan, Na- Nathan, Na-, and I just wouldn't respond. And then I see it happening, and you know, uh, and so it, that was one. Of, that was one of two big times where literally everybody was just treating me as another person. I was kind of experiencing what it was like to be Nathan, which. To be honest, it's
1: quite similar to what it's like to be Luke. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, given that you were raised together as well, right? Um, And the fact that you know you you look identical, the personality formation. Yeah, yeah. The personality formation question is like: uh, was there some particular trauma that one of you experienced that the other, you know, and you latch onto that and sort of magnify that in your own memory? this is the kind of interesting thing that does happen is that in, in the book, when they do make a twin, it's not at birth. It's, it's quite far down the road. Yeah. There's that question. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: How long will it take for us to be two different people?
0: Yeah.
1: Um,
3: And uh, I, I actually, one of my favorite parts of this book is him describing how they decided which one of them was going to live or not. And it's like Mm -hmm. flip a coin. Well, it's not flip a coin. It's the, it's the, uh, you know, the best out of five paper, rock, scissors, um, and uh, yeah, I just love the idea of deciding your personal, or deciding your existence and your future personality by a game of chance, by gambling in that way. I think that says so much about his
1: personality that that's what him and his other personality decided. Um, and that and the, they're doing it in virtual, right, yeah. rather than yeah. actual. I think is is it's even taking the randomness out of it. Like, so if you feel a breeze on your arm coming from an open window in reality. Um, maybe that influences what you throw, right? <laughs> you throw scissors or, or paper because it flows better in the breeze. But in in a virtual reality, you're taking out all the whims of, oh, I have to pee right now and it's easier to throw a rock or whatever it could be, right? So that how can they even be throwing differently if it's inside of a virtual world with virtual identical memory? Oh. If If... Sorry,
5: well, says, it, I was like, because you know just when you get down to just like quantum and probability, tiny, tiny little bits of chance in each other's brains, which are not going to be perfectly mirrored just because of the laws of quantum dynamics. But, dynamic, they're, qu- but quantum they're not bi-
1: in a quantum place. Yeah, yeah but, in but a program, right? Yeah,
5: again, the, the program themselves eventually comes down to electrons, which are not going to be precisely exactly aligned just because they can't be because by the heisenberg uncertainty principle that you can't know that for sure so there's going to be slight differences between the two of them just because the laws of physics say that has to be even if they're small and those
1: are but there's z- no physics that's the that's the, unless unless the physics are programmed in and the, see the, what the, i'm the, saying the is the
5: physics of the actual uh-oh. program running it
1: i i suppose but that the the way i see this virtual world is that it's a mind inside a program right so that like, yeah, but I they've had a lot of time apart in their in the other minds. No, but my point that's, is that that's, is that that's it true. isn't and chance.
3: That's, it that's isn't chance. Influence. He actually says it looked like I feel like my other person was trying to lose because he knew yeah. that I was the one right. who had actually accomplished all this, and yeah. it wasn't fair. Like he'd had the fun sex party with the different sleeves with the Bancroft sleeves, but it was actually me who kind of deserved to go on because I'd been doing all the work. So that's, that's the whole point of it. It's sort of like it's left up to chance, but that's that thing. Was it chance? Was the other person trying to lose? Did he do, Oh my, his rock to my paper? Like what, you know, they were trying to second guess the, the, the protagonist that we're reading at. He was trying to definitely second guess himself to win. And I think he's saying that the other guy was trying to second guess himself to lose, but to, make it as though the guy who won had earned it rather than had you know just was given it or something so it's a tricky one
4: what i found mm-hmm. fascinating about that was how how attached they both were to that life you know because by the time they were separated how long were they separated five days
3: or something, five or, six days, something seemed, like that,
4: yeah. five or six days and then and then they were so like in entrenched on on keeping it even though they were they were both gonna live i mean ultimately the, the what the essence of the guy was was n- not gonna die. it was just just those five days
3: um, have I, you I, ever had your hard drive crash and lose five days of work? <laughs>
4: yeah yeah I, yeah, I know wow. I know but it, it was it was interesting because the, before they before the five days even happened they were already like they were to have this conversation within seven hours.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think it is fascinating and it's, it's, it actually goes right to the core of the book. Why does this whole plot at all happen is because Bancroft is angry that someone might have got one over on him even though he's still alive, right? He lost 48 hours. That's all he lost. Mm-hmm. But when he finds out that he had the, and falsely, finds out that he had the courage to take his own life, to save his life, right? His future existence. Um, he's proud of the fact that he was capable of making the decision, right? Uh-huh. And, and acting so well. And the thing is, is, it's really fascinating that we do care what this thing called a document called a will is, right? So the idea of the institution of you continuing on after your death so that. You know, we care about what happens after you no longer are on this, or we care to disperse your goods in the way that you wanted them dispersed. Seems perfectly normal to us, but actually, when you start looking at it, there's all sorts of weird things like codicils. Like, um, you can have it under these circumstances. It is, it is actually like a program, a computer program designed to continue your existence into the future, and with the idea of of never dying, right, of being a meth forever and having your children grow up and you still dominate them in the same way that you did when, you know, 100 years ago, that's kind of screwed up. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it really becomes clear um, on the show. One of the things they do is they, they do talk about the children a little more. There are a lot of little changes, mm-hmm. um, but uh, one of the ones I think is actually an improvement is uh, the AI hotel?
6: Yeah, is, I agree yeah. with you. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That was so, so, the so fun. the AI
1: hotel. Yeah, Luke, you saw the first episode of the? No, show? I haven't watched any of it. No. Uh, okay, so I've got the a book, It's I'll the, watch the a Hendrix, trip. right? Yeah. Um, and it's a Jimi Hendrix, and I think that it's not a bad resonance, especially with the you know the purple haze kind of connections to um, the neon. It's very uh, cyberpunky, I guess is the idea but um and i had a feeling before i found out the reason why the change that it would be that reason that it was exactly right which is the and this is so funny right the hendrix estate <laughs> doesn't want his image used in association with a certain amount of violence uh, <laughs> um and the thing is is he's a, he he while he was alive was a big fan of science fiction and that fits um he uh, was you know uh, using the language of of HP Lovecraft in some of his, his writings you know it's it, he's he's definitely a genre fan and yet somehow some sort of program of his existence continues and says no we can't use you in the book uh, we can't use you on the on the on the visualization it's still usable in the book right anybody can write a uh, any character, but Poe, he's public domain, so <laughs> he becomes, <laughs> and and it, I think that it actually works even better. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. I,
5: I, I do think the AI hotel, and I don't remember the name of the actor who plays Poe, has some real personality. In what I've seen so far in the series, and I think it's a definite improvement. You get a real feel for the AI as a character, which I do really think. the get.
1: sidekick, right? Yeah, which which you don't really. I mean it's more like an office secretary that doesn't get any screen time in the book. Yeah. But, but in the, get that in second the sh- trope,
6: yeah, and in the show they really push more that um, possessive girlfriend nature of the hotel, which is
3: just yeah, awesome. <laughs> right. In the in the so, book, though, I think it's it's quite clear that the in its forward facing the, the 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 hotel does have a lot more personality than we see until the end of the book when they meet it in virtual reality and actually meet the Hendricks. But it's it's underneath all of the uh, like the social um, Graces programming and the. Uh, and the front of house, front desk programming that it's got built into its front desk and hotel service thing. So uh, I think the, the personality there is subsumed inside its job. And that comes out when you're actually inside its brain
1: in the book. that another, is Another uh, thing that I like that they did in the show that that is in the book and it's mentioned. And then I, I put out a tweet again. I don't know if Luke saw this one, but um, is that everybody in the police station seems to have a mohawk. So we get told they're Mohicans, the Mohican did this, the Mohican did that, right? They, and, and it's explained in the novel that the reason they have Mohawks is because some hair cutter nearby gives cops discounts or basically <laughs> yeah. probably does yeah. it for free. I don't know. <laughs> and yet uh, Ortega is the only one who doesn't take them up on this offer. And so I put out the question, why does Ortega cut her own hair and I think I have an interesting possible answer, other than I, the one given in the book.
6: I don't have an answer, but um, I was sick with the flu when you put that question out, and I was like obsessing uh-huh. over. I was like, lying there, like, why? Good, good. Why does she? Do <laughs> why doesn't she cut it? Come on, tell us, Jesse, why?"
1: So uh, I don't know if this is an undeveloped plot thread, or but it had me thinking when I heard that part again. I was like, "Oh, maybe that's what it is." Ortega Ortega is a Catholic um in upbringing anyways right Mm -hmm. Uh, that's more emphasized on the show but she's she's spanish uh at least a little bit and uh i think it's possible she doesn't have a a cortical stack implant and that she didn't want anybody to know that
0: Mm. Mm. Ah, okay Mm. i hadn't thought of that i always thought
1: it was inside uh not visible but yeah sure that might yeah but everybody has the scar right from the surgery yeah True. and i i i mean it doesn't come out in the book in a in any particular line saying you know and of course i don't agree with this or anything like that um you know that's why i don't have one. but um i think that it it in thinking about it and in enjoying that savoring that idea as i finished the book after that point i started thinking that it actually does help resonate with the meaning um when you can live forever, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, almost no, nothing can kill you, it does sort of give less meaning to your existence. Whereas if you can continue uh, for a period of time and you can't be backed up, um, you're much more likely to savor the moments. And uh, <laughs> the way I do that on this podcast a little bit. Is I say you know we never do a show twice right once a show goes out unlike Luke you know you you'll go back and review the same book but I never I review every book I read so if show. I read it twice it gets reviewed twice <laughs> right right so yeah but it's a different format and my idea is you know yeah we got to do a great altered carbon show and if we don't that's too bad because we're never going to do one again it sort of adds a poignancy to the uh, the possibility of doing the show that's why i'm worried about the upcoming dune show because it's it's so significant if we uh, fuck it up that's it <laughs> up your well, life. just do no, it try. just do it like you did with the um,
3: with the odyssey and just do like six episodes about yes, it we're doing it? three. We're oh, doing three. <laughs> okay you are doing that okay <laughs> yes yeah i i actually did i disagree with living my life knowing that I'm, a short life means i savor it more because i don't think anyone knows i think everyone else savors lots of different things at different paces and different things you know you go on holiday and it's a short holiday and like does did that mean it that individually the days meant more than a longer holiday i don't i don't think that maybe at the end of a long holiday you're a bit more sick of it and you want to get home a bit more i don't know
1: mm-hmm. it's uh um i'm well, not because she was just on one. Oh yeah oh,
4: the holiday lasted forever
1: <laughs> <Did it. laughs> yeah, I, I bet those rockets coming up and going down would. Uh, you're, those are going to be, you know, permanent memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I was very impressed just seeing the video, but I saw one video. You know, the there's a lot of videos where people react. You know yeah. that. You know, and I saw one lady was filming it, and someone else is filming her filming it. <laughs> and just the physicality of h- h- seeing the sonic boom or feeling the sonic booms within her, like just put all sorts of startling emotions all over her face.
4: Oh, my, my, my mother said that it brought tears to her eyes
1: watching. Wow,
4: I, uh, I cried, but I was really sick, so I'm not sure why. I was like,
3: "Why
1: am I
4: crying? <laughs> I'm
3: yeah. so emotional. You're sleeve sick.
1: You're sleeve sick.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> to bring. It- um, Could I I say a bit more about that as well, about the mortality and things? I I do think, though, the idea being that death is more more meaningful. You're saying that life is more meaningful because you can uh, you save it more. But in this
1: like death is is imminent. Yeah. Well, in this,
3: you keep saying, oh, you nobody really dies. And it's not like the the police don't have to actually deal with real death. There's no real death. There is a lot of real death. Like especially caused by our main guy, and you can kind of see in the background like his like being used by different governments and being used as this envoy. The idea being, oh, it's okay, we'll just send you into this battle, and it doesn't matter if you die because you got it backed up. But like the undertone, and actually it's quite explicit in places that they they are backed up or they are you know whatever. But they they are still expendable. There is real death. You know he has seen all of his friends die and lots of other people that he's done, but real death like you know, their, their cortical stacks have been destroyed mm-hmm. and he destroys a lot. So in a way, like when he's just sort of like, Oh, I'll just shoot these people. Like when they with the first bit of violence, which I think is like at the start, it's sort of like, Oh, and they shot me and I fell apart or whatever. And you're like. And then I woke up and you're like, oh, that's great. So death isn't final. And then the same thing happens in the hotel. You know, people get shot up and they're like, oh, we saved the stack and we'll go off and interrogate him or whatever. Oh, that's great. But then he actually, when he goes into, he goes, let's make it personal. And then just goes around and just burns up. And it's real death. It's sort of like 16 real deaths mm-hmm. in that one clinic. And that uh-huh. makes, in a way, the death way more meaningful and he knows they're more meaningful. And I think that comes mm-hmm. across really well in the writing that it's like, we're going to do violence now, but it's not just like movie violence where people die. The idea that you're stopping their life completely when there is a possibility of longevity and a possibility of re and a possibility of coming back from the dead. Um, which is why I think you're wrong about the Catholics, because all the Catholics do have the cultural stack, but there's a yeah, law they said, saying they can't be brought I, back. So I, right. I,
1: I agree that it's not well developed in the book, yeah. but I, it's just yeah. such one. He tosses off a lot of lines, and I thought that it was possible that he was going to come back to that and you know, and have some follow up, but it might have been just you know. Riker
4: just, didn't yeah. like Mohawks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, but,
1: yeah. it seems but, well, to be Riker, male. Riker definitely had a stack, right?
2: You're not yeah, of this thing in uh, computer gaming where um, yes, you know the default in computer games is multiple lives. Um, yep, and, this uh, is just going to go there. Yeah, you can either there's a style of play where you don't let yourself save and restart games, but you just play through until you die. Iron and, Man. Yeah,
5: Iron Man mode is what that's what called. That's yeah. called.
2: Yeah. yeah, and then there are some games that won't let you do this. Like you can have uh, web-based games that. Uh, Basically, you have to flush your cache in order to be able to replay it, um, or uh, fiddle with JavaScript to do it, because they want you to be stuck with the
3: consequences of your decision. Um, that's that's really interesting. Um, Just got to get to the next screen, is what you keep saying. Get to the next mm-hmm. screen. It's like a computer yeah. game. Yeah. Get to the next screen.
1: Well, you know, I, I, I play this PUBG game, right? And Luke does too. I was playing last night. and. We had just because it was the servers were down earlier this week. We were playing uh, Battlefield 4, which is a game where you know you respawn basically 10 seconds after you die. Right. And the games have completely different vibes. One is sort of this fear that you're going to get killed at any moment because paranoia sneaks up on you, and the other one is like uh, constant electrical shocks of you. You know jumping and shooting and then dying and jumping and shooting and then dying and the other one is it's it's slow and as time goes by as you get deeper into the game your paranoia and your adrenaline just amps you up so that when you get to the near the end that one life to live mode which i've had in very few other games but when you have it it's super addictive because it does make the stakes so much higher yeah you yeah. got to we got to second place last night as a squad and the fact that we got so close to the end it just makes it all the more meaningful and so uh, last night uh luke i don't know if you saw it but wilder one of the people we play with he got a chicken dinner after we quit all uh, right it's a, solo, <laughs> and, like, but it's a solo game i've had a chicken dinner you know when you win it and it's like holy shit this is an accomplishment in yeah. a way that it shouldn't be
3: yeah literally the highest highs and the lowest lows of all my computer gaming history have been with this game like coming <laughs> second and then dying and the final circle and then and also coming uh, the three wins that i've that had and this i think i went to like 160 hours worth of playing and i've won three times once solo and once duo mm-hmm. and once with jesse With jesse actually won i was just hanging out i'd already died um but uh but no, it is it is a very interesting thing. In that case, as a as a game mechanic, not only having one life and then you die, it's like well, I'm gonna go back to the beginning, and it's gonna probably be about thirty five right. minutes to play this out again, um, right. or you just die straight away and just respawn and die. You know, it's a, it's a different. different yeah, it has no mean,
1: it has no meaning. Like if you if you die as a as a premature baby, it doesn't matter, right? Because to get you just start again. But mm. once you have put in all this effort of life, yeah. you know, thirty minutes in. Um, and especially in the final ten, it becomes it becomes very meaningful in in the way that brain chemicals say. And that's one of the things I mentioned in my review is is it seems to rely on neurochem as sort of his superhero juice. And I was thinking uh, at the time, I guess, uh, or rereading it, it seems at the time I, I didn't I didn't uh, I thought that was kind of cheating. But the more uh, I've studied neurochemicals. The more I realize, you know, it's not cheating. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it really, I mean, if you had, that's that's a technology that's sort of under-explained. Under Maybe it's more in the second and third books, Luke, you might be able to say. But the fact that um, if you can control your neurochemicals, you can control a lot of your, your world. The, in, in the book, he dials up his neurochem so that he can hear conversations that are farther away than he... Normally would be able to hear. I, I don't know if you can do that, but I do know you can. Hyper-focus. No, I think that's
3: a, that's only in his special non-human sleeve. That's in his um... right yeah that's in his special his special. it is off-world. a human
1: sleeve it's just been it's been it's had a package of neurochem like like these dials inside of his chest that he can up or down right you know no no it's just I takes. think it's because it is synthetic I mean I, I can't remember exactly but it isn't
3: it is his he does have more cap- that body does have more capabilities
1: yes it's um, been it's been enhanced right? yeah yeah but yeah. it's a bi- it's a biological body with enhancements yeah. and uh, yesterday I'm I'm pouring my coffee right and I'm like oh I'm doing the neurochem, right? This is literally yeah. Yeah. what I, I wanna I want amp myself up. This will do it. And and anticipating the hit of that caffeine getting inside and doing its work is its own you know little neurochem. And so I I guess I was criticizing it in it 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 was sort of playing it up too much. But maybe he just didn't explain it in the, enough method so that, you know, every time there's a fight sequence, it's neurochem this and neurochem that. Um, but honestly, neurochems are really important. I don't know if it's a name brand. Is it capitalized in the paper text, Brian?
2: I don't know. I don't have the paper text with me.
1: Okay. Our e- ebook. Did you read the ebook? Yeah. Um, skimmed it. Um,
2: uh, we're, we're packing up our house to sell and move. So my library is entering the boxes zone right now. Um, okay. So it's it's harder and harder for me to find uh, to find books. Um, I had a completely different question asked though. I, I don't know if this sure. is sure. Um, well, it's about the meths. Um, first of all, did you all find that kind of fun to read now that the term meth means something else that in two thousand? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: Um, But I I have to say it was it was um, this is a way in which the book has become more relevant um, than it was in 2002 in that uh, economic inequality has increased and it has also Mm. become more of an issue uh, because it was really off the radar. That's
1: more in the consciousness. Yeah. Yeah.
5: So I think the TV series has hit a moment that it didn't that the book didn't expect didn't at the time. But now is now more relevant because economic inequality is something we're all talking about. And the over, the over, uh, weaning power of the very rich is something that was in the book, but now is really in the forefront with the book and the TV series. It's it's basically about the 1%.
6: Yeah. Mm
3: -hmm. Have you read market? Have you read market forces? His, one of his other novels. It's terrific.
5: I haven't. It's it's
3: actually, it's very good. and, And it's even more about, yeah, eat the rich, um, The the people in the the people in the book, like the protagonists or the people that you're following are people who are rich or wanting to be super rich. And it's so obnoxious, but it's so relevant for today's
1: world. Uh (laughs) Mm -hmm. That sounds Uh, good. uh, Yeah. And it's a great book. i i i I convinced luke uh to you to read that i think if i'm I'm remembering right i'd
3: already read his other books i think it just as it came out i just got to it let me have a look when did i read it um i read it there's another book by his which is called black man or 13 it's called in america i
1: like that one too i hated that
3: that was really not good i didn't like that one at all
1: i like Um,
2: it's a riot it's a riot it's a lot of fun but it's different yeah, it's, but it's it's set I,
3: in Jesus land. Yeah, Jesus land. Yeah, the Jesus land kind of idea. That's definitely a, a, a post um, George W. Bush <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> post, definitely. Uh, but, all
3: that kind but, of stuff. But
2: one thing that's that's interesting too is that this is a uh, you know a British novelist and writing in the in the British context in the in the U.S. scene that has a very very different resonance. Um, and yep. one way is that it's actually. It's controversial because, uh, on the one hand, you have a portion of the American population that doesn't think income inequality is a problem. I think it's a just reward for hard work.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I'm, I'm working my way through the series. I'm, I'm willing to hear more about that as, as the ideology. But then you also have, on the Democratic side, the ones that see that as a distraction or a uh, problem when you can be focusing on other issues such as uh, race and gender which is one of the reasons I was interested in some of the reactions to the TV show. Um, I mean, the U.S. Democratic Party, now the liberals and left in general, are still fighting the 2015 presidential primary battle uh, as fiercely in many ways. Um, So I was struck by that. I I mean, you asked, does does this economic model hold up for you, that uh, we'd have a plutocracy based on longevity? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a dystopia in the worst way, right? Because it, it's everything we have now, except uh, it'll never end, right? That's
5: the <laughs> It'll be the, the same horror. people over. Yeah, this is over. For Donald Trump forever.
3: Yeah, it's just one of those things where you go, oh well, it can't be so. But all we've got to do is wait for all the old people to die, and then our generation gets in okay. power, and then we'll make it how. And oh no, that that that's not happening either. Yeah. Uh, you know, some turns most- out when the baby boomers get into power they stay there for a really long time because they've got better yeah, healthcare and they've now they've got a lot really more good. money than the next generations as well and uh, yeah. and and they're all retired so they've got nothing to do except like vote in elections which are held for some reason on a work day in a tuesday in november so they can go out and do it but actually the people working you know it's it's pretty crazy
1: here, here. Nancy Pelosi sacrificed herself on the cross the other day by standing for eight hours. Did you hear about this? Oh my God, she's such a hero. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that, that. That that is uh, <laughs> that's the level of dialogue when it comes to this. You know the yeah you know, and it, it is uh, what what's so cool about seeing it visualize and reading the book again is that he does he uh, and this is why I liked it I think so much even though there is some. Some sort of clunky writing, and it is a first novel. Um, is that he really knows what's going on in a certain sense? And you know, thinking of him as a British writer, yeah, he's he's from England, um, but his wife's Spanish, right? And he spent most of his uh, his uh, adult life abroad teaching English in foreign countries. Hmm. So uh, there's a kind of worldliness to him that you know, you wouldn't necessarily know that he wasn't, uh, other than a few turns of phrase, that he wasn't an American just by the, by, you know it's set in San Francisco, it feels kind of like a future San Francisco, Uh, I guess it's called Bay City, rather than San Francisco but um, it feels fairly appropriate um, as a kind of world book, rather than uh, I don't think he's identifying you know, as a British author because he's writing, he's writing the quintessential American uh mystery noir novel right it's not an agatha christie it's yeah. a it, it, despite it being a locked room it is it is a um it is a hard-boiled uh, noir detective book at least in this 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 part of the series right it's that's what it's about and it has all the elements of that it, once you start looking at it there's the the femme fatale wife there's the uh, 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 hidden sin. There's the ultra-rich guy who's paying the bills because that's who really pays for private detectives, right? That's the real sad, sick story of private detectives is it's private justice, right? <laughs> Can't get the public justice. And then there's the cop who is both the enemy and the friend, right? Friend to me, for sure, yeah. Yeah, and you know we're, we're going to bring you in and we're also going to help you out. And, 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 and have, has, have
5: a tangled romantic past in the bargain.
1: And I love that it's all it is all backstory, not just with with the meths, um, you know, doing their horrible stuff and finding out and you know, manipulating the system and all that, you know, but also even our hero, detective hero, his body has a history that he doesn't know about right and he has and a history a yeah
5: he has a history outside this body and ortega has a history it's 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 very well layered for a first novel as you say oh
1: inc- mm-hmm. incredibly well and i i want i i was obsessed with the the story the patchwork man which is not much in the book it's a little more they visualized it a little more in in the uh, the tv show but he's got the the little rhyme that he says at some point uh, in the book. He says, "I'm stacked, backed up, and I'm fifth Dan, and I'm not afraid of the Patchwork Man." Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Patchwork Man. Well, he can only take my body, right? He can't take my stack. <laughs> that's that's awesome. It, it's Frankenstein, right? This is this is the uh, the horror of, of going, being dead and coming back, and um yeah. And, or, and or it, it goes right back to yeah. NeuroMancer, with we've got an AI that, you know, gets hooked up to a, a RAM chip so that he can gain memory. And what does he want at the end? Just, just delete me, man. He yeah. says to Case.
2: Yeah. Well, that's and, you know, like in uh, Galatea 2.0, that's what happens in the Richard Powers novel with the AI. How
5: yeah, that's back? right. Yeah. Yo, no, that's a really good novel. You should. It's okay.
3: The, the Powers. Jesse. I just yeah. want to push back at you against saying this could almost be an American novel, and I or it, it, there's nothing to show that it isn't American. But I think this fits in very, very well with a, a, a big tradition of British author science fictions of being kind of lefty, um, Trotsky kind of people in their youth, and then you know writing like bringing that into their science fiction. People like uh-huh. Charles Stross and Ken Mcleod and Ian right, M. Banks right. and and Douglas Adams as well. In a way, um, yeah. you know not to the same extent no, they're not they're not all the same politics not all the same extent but when i read this i was just like yep this is very much more of the same and you know like it, he's writing you know he's kind of he is writing an american novel but like everything in the, about the past of this character is sort of like oh yeah i was brought up like this but then there's this quellis thing and about you know um seizing the
1: means of no production, I, i'm stuff making like the that. case that he's he's not british i'm making the case that he's he's global because he is he sets it in the okay. states okay uh, I, I mean Raymond Chandler, who is, you know, one of these great American writers. Is he wasn't British? He was British, right? He, he moved to yeah, sure. Moved to the states and became. Uh, he's. Uh, these are these are. He's. T- I don't know why it's set in San Francisco, other than the fact that you know you can set a story there and and make it. Uh, the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. Right? That's yeah, the yeah. reason it's set there. But what I'm it saying is that set this, in this London book or anywhere. fits
3: into a, a tradition of British science fiction very, very well, like, like with the character and the politics and the kind of theme of it, just as much as it fits into the American hard-boiled, uh, you know,
1: P.I. story. I'm, I'm so ha- I'm so happy with yeah. with. His, his politics, because he really is interested in economics. He's really yeah. interested in showing that there's deep, deep corruption. Um, and yet we somehow, he's also, you know, is it, strikingly feminist, right? Is what he he's going for in a lot of these books. He's, he's strikingly anti-religion. He's strikingly a whole bunch of t- things. And they're all ones that I'm like, yes, these resonate, you know? So just, uh, I I am I'm just impressed that he can add in that second and third layer. You know that there's these this whole world has a there's a, a kind of that patchwork man is an example as a yeah. There's a, there's so many layering. layers to the backstory. Like you just know that this
3: guy. I mean you like the the the, the characters who pop up. You know like the, the the triad boss and these other characters who pop back up. We've known him in the past and all the different things and the quellists and the and the different. Like planets that he's been on and all the different kind of stuff. This is it. It feels like this is a book which has had like 15 short stories before it, which you could go back and dig down into these things. Oh, Mm -hmm. what's he talking about here? What's he talking about there? But it isn't. It's just all in this book, in the background of this book, like the patchwork man making it more. Although to be honest, I did think the whole thing with the patchwork man is a little bit superfluous and makes the book probably about two hours, two and a half hours longer than it needs to be. I think the pacing of this book is not great. Uh, it, It crams too much in there, too much story, too much character and I think a bit, of this, a, a bit of this could have been stripped out. If this had been a uh, um, I don't know how long it was, like 16 hour audiobook? I don't 17, know
1: how like,
3: 17, yeah. 17. If this had been 12, 13 hours, it would have been a much, much better book. And I don't think it would have had to lose very much. Um but what would you cut? That's the thing. Would you cut all the cool I, backstory things? I would, have things?
1: Cut, uh, I would have cut the sex scenes. <laughs> I yeah. would also Jesse, cut that's some literally what scenes. the
3: book is about. The book is about the sex. That's what it is.
1: It's <laughs> all it. The whole book I, that's what it is i think that it, it is interesting that i mean it, it's important to 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 deal with but i i think they're just they're not that well done uh, that, <laughs> i, I is, mean i i don't i don't turn to uh, but they just go on forever and yeah I, but, 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 uh, some of those fights there was just fight after fight there were a lot of fight fights too fight. right? yeah could have had a,
4: okay they, could have had a, i say leave,
3: leave this leave the sex cut down some of the fight scenes and battles yeah. and then they go. <laughs> yeah like the, like the second time that they go over and have a fight in the you know in the arena the fight arena the thunderdome or whatever yeah. it is i'm just like yeah. do we have why do we need another fight yeah. i mean of course they had to get over there to get the second sleeves swim and do the whole you know sort of like, but all, that whole section of the book i was like i've read this twice before three times before i, is, I know how it's gonna end let's just get to the bit where he goes out to the head in the clouds bit because that's actually that's actually where the story is going that's, and that's
1: not the detective part right see that's the funny part is is that that feels shoehorned in because in What's the that, detective the fight, books the, right the fight scene yeah all the fighting yeah, right yeah.
0: yeah
1: i mean you might sock a guy in the jaw at one point you might pull yeah. a gun on him you might whap him over the head with a with a thing but that's it it's it's not like kung fu for yeah i was much more interested
3: in the like the hacking stuff like where you go oh go here and do this and put the thing in there i'm like oh that's the action that i actually want to know and then they kind of skip over it and now and now a gunfight and i'm like oh okay yeah yeah
6: Yeah. i wish there was like a tradition like like with sex scenes in some books where it's just like and they're about to fight and fade to black and we never have to see a single (laughs) other fight scene ever again like I, i find them so boring Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, well,
1: in there, in this,
2: uh, right? When sorry, you, go for it, Brian. To toggle the uh, the text in or out, like
3: you know, ah, oh, here comes mm. the sex scene. Oh, what? dial it up right now. Okay. Yeah. That's We're the gonna... problem with uh, with audiobooks is that you can't easily just skim read over <laughs> the <you> know, <laughs> the scenes that you don't want because there are some of this. Especially if I read a book before, I'm just be like, yep, yep, yep. Right, okay. Now this is back to some dialogue <laughs> that I want or some you know cool stuff that I want uh it's difficult in an audiobook to do that although i did listen to this at 1.5 speed uh which is a bit quicker than i normally listen
6: it's also hard with the audio because I don't know. Whenever there's a sex scene, I'm just like suddenly super aware of the narrator sitting there reading it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like
3: oh. You oh, should please. listen to the podcast that we did with um, who was it, Jonathan Davis or something? And he had a very funny mm-hmm. stories about performing sex scenes. Oh, and really? One of the audio one of the audio engineers mm-hmm. fainting or something as as they uh, got <laughs> to the end of a like a four page sex scene, like really graphic sex scene.
1: Wow. <laughs> uh, I do want to talk about the uh, the. Post torture uh, rampage scene a little bit, um, so the idea of you know time working differently when you're in a virtual is is interesting, and mm-hmm. the fact that he, he he says you know the AI says he's been alone in there for X number of hours and uh in, and you know make a double copy of me and put me in there all that stuff. Um, the rampage that happens actually, Paul, you might recognize. Uh, it seems like it's lifted straight out of a podcast we did recently. Um, the story called "The Veil of Lost Women." Yes, where where Conan at the beginning of a story for apparently no reason that we can understand, basically does genocide all of a sudden, and then you you see it from a woman's point of view as she's you know she wants to be liberated. He liberates her, but he comes bearing the head of. Of the king of the enemies, and, and she runs. And, she runs for it because yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and and it's so it feels so unjustified, right? Because we don't know what anything what, what preceded that. I've got my my theory going as why it works and such, but uh, here we get the motivation. It's it's like you've done something that nobody should do. I'm going on rampage mode. He goes on rampage mode and does all those not organic damage, but stack. Stack killing too, right? Yeah, RDS, yeah. Damage. So um, having that there, and then the police come and sort of clean up the mess, but don't arrest the guy because you know he's not technically there and all that. That that feels very much like a um, a very dark Raymond Chandler, a very dark Dashiell Hammett that we don't no. see much. I mean, maybe in Red Harvest yep. or something like that, right? Yeah.
5: Yeah, and, and and while some of you are saying like, oh, there's too much violence in this book, we go, oh yeah, another fight scene. This is a violence that shows and illustrates character, and is counterpoint to the torture. So this is a this is a scene that I think works because we need to see him. What happens when he's finally been pushed too far? He will he will turn it. He will show the weapon that he is, and just take out everything indiscriminately i think it's a very important scene in the book and it's not a fight scene i would have want to skip through even it's it's yeah it's, it's central is, to who and what he what he is and what he does and
1: it's even better in the show because it's actually the best fight scene oh in
5: god the, in yes i uh, i i mean it's i'm not far past i think like an episode passes like it is a it is a it's a gorgeous scene we get to see those weapons that he had just seen a couple episodes before getting and and using
1: it, it is a ballet. He's like, got the unicorn backpack. Uh, oh, oh right? God, that, Which, that was that turning so, into a meme now. That,
5: that made me so laugh when he stuck everything in the backpack. Oh God, I, I, I just laughed out loud.
1: Yeah. I, it's, yeah. it's, it's
5: a nice cutaway. Kind of yeah, he's, he's walking out of this blood-stained, stained. I backpack. can almost
1: imagine that the, that the producers, you know, they said. Uh, we're gonna make this book into a movie because they wanted to film that scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, yep. Like it, it feels like it's it's designed to be a film. Uh, obviously, it's better as a as a Netflix show because it's a big big book, um, and it doesn't feel like a Blade Runner ripoff. I've seen a few people saying you know it's Blade Runner. It's what? not really no. Blade Runner.
4: No, it doesn't. Um, no,
1: he's no. dealing with a, a different idea. There are synth- synths and stuff, but. It's, He's uh, dealing with a different idea. It's it's set in a very different future, uh, a different kind of dystopia. And uh, I, I I really appreciate that it does have the cyberpunk elements that are straight out of Neuromancer. Well, right, that we're going on a run. Don't don't make the link. Don't don't
2: sell it too short. I mean, there are there are a lot of connections. I mean, one is that. Um, their, uh there are the visual connections I mean Blade Runner the, definitely, it,
1: definitely you know
2: shaped shaped how we think of cities and we haven't gotten past that yet I mean it's the most powerful yeah. visual. Uh, cities. Oh, oh, yeah, just saw, I nice. just saw
3: the ghost in the shell and after watching Ghost in the shell and then watching the Blade Runner 2049 or whatever it is I'm just like this is now a cartoon version because the, yes. the recent Blade Runner movie has shown us actually what you can do to make Blade Runner in with modern uh special effects compared to what it used to be. And and we were just watching it and just going, this now looks really, really shit, you know? Like, even though it was made in 2017, it, like, came out the same year as another Blade Runner movie where I have many issues with the rest of that movie, but the visuals are amazing. And I'm like, Uh why can't all cityscapes look as good as the visual cityscapes in the Blade Runner 2049 um, the, uh, the Netflix film does a does a pretty good job of that, and uh, yeah, and it's, it's te- I don't expect I don't expect the same level because it's a TV show, not a movie. But uh, yeah, they do pretty good. They, they spent the production values are pretty high.
2: I I, okay. I agree. with around in twenty forty nine. I think it's an ideal silent film. Um, yeah,
1: but and I've got, I've got, I've got, <laughs> got <laughs> the, or our just wordless film would be good enough. No, I I've the soundtrack a
2: few times. The soundtrack is pretty poor. Um, I've uh no, I, I've actually. <laughs> I've got an article coming out on this soon, but um, but the, but the, that's the second point, is the link to Blade Runner 2049, because that was such a high-profile film and such a disaster financially that I mean, it's, people are thinking about it. Um, but the third is there are just plenty of, of, of direct links. I mean, uh, early on in the TV show, there's a uh, um, uh, a shot where our hero goes through a whole bunch of visuals and zooms in on them, which is, you know, Obviously, you remind mm. people of the famous you know zoom
3: in shot from Blade Runner.
1: Mm-hmm. You've got enhance, yeah, yeah,
3: enhance. Right? You've got to he literally it.
6: says that. <laughs>
3: yeah. Everyone that's... says enhance in those scenes. Right? Yeah. It's, it is yeah. the movie making the movie making trope now. Enhance, like, yeah. Like, zoom in, enhance. freeze and enhance, freeze. Yeah, and uh, enhance. freeze and enhance. It.
2: And, and you have a violent person who is working as a detective. Remember Deckard in the original film? Isn't the detective? He's a bounty. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's working as a detective this way. And so we have a mercenary here who's trying to solve this. So there's that commonality. Um, and then there's the, you know, the all the film noir tropes, which are still not widely deployed in science fiction. So I obviously there are differences, um, but I, I I think there's definitely a whole bunch of call outs and resonances, and I, I don't think audiences are wrong to find them.
1: Oh yeah, but I think I think they they come he comes to it honestly. So the difference, you know, when when we look at Blade Runner, right? It doesn't all of that is not in the book, right? That does not come out of the book. No, no, no. It comes out of it comes. I mean, the 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 visuals do not come out of the book. I I mean, some of them do, but it's it's going straight back to the Maltese Falcon and right, right, right,
2: right. Oh, that's that's very different.
1: That's and so about. when this one's doing it, he's he's he is of course aware of Blade Runner, but uh, it isn't. Let's do Blade Runner, right? It,
3: yeah, it's like let's it, play out the same thought experiment and end up with some of the same visuals or some of the same yes, situations. It
1: happens yeah. to have some of the same visuals. And I mean, yeah, it is, I do like in the It's obviously it's, played up in the show. Yeah, in the in the book, being where everything's always at night, right? Right. Right. in the rain
2: which uh, shows up uh, in uh, one of my favorite underappreciated movies from the 1990s which is Dark City
5: oh uh, I love Dark City
2: yeah because of plot play at the end wait why is it always night here what's wrong with the world
5: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but there's, there's one... please go ahead Luke go ahead
3: oh sorry no I'm I was just going to say, what I, another similarity between this and uh, Blade Runner, it feels like in Blade Runner, the people have been left behind on Earth, and all the action, the fun action is happening elsewhere, and these are just the people who are kind of stuck behind. and it, That's kind of referenced in this book, sort of like, oh yeah, all the people who really were exciting and wanted progress, they all went after the rest of the galaxy with these Martian star maps, and hopefully you can find something there, and all the conservative people and boring people are left on Earth, so now there's been a stagnation. And I think that's an interesting thing in the book where like, why hasn't technology moved on or why hasn't the world moved on or why are there still Catholics around and why is it so conservative in some ways? It's because, yeah, all the, all the interesting people left mm. and we're the people, you know, they left Earth and we're the people left over and we've just got to deal with that and kind of plod along with the UN taking over just kind of by default because all the interesting, exciting leaders left and went off to whatever was- the world's.
2: There's a nice bit about this in the uh, in the TV show, the first episode, where um, when Kovac comes to consciousness and he demands you know where am i and they tell him what city and he says no you idiot what world and they say earth you just can't yeah. look like oh god that shithole you know uh,
3: <laughs> yeah exactly and that's what i feel like people to, if people coming from outside of blade runner earth then turn up in la and they're like oh fuck this is not the home planet this is not you know this is mm-hmm. not the garden of eden that we all left from this is all yeah. this is fallen garden of eden um, he
6: does keep mentioning in the book as well, like how sort of quaint and ancient sounding yeah. everyone on Earth is. And,
2: which is and, which is fun. That's, that's that's an interesting way of I don't mean this as a criticism, it's it's a kind it's like a, it's a lampshading way of saying we're not gonna invent that much more. That this is Yeah. You know, that, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. Saying, yeah that's not,
3: that's what I was saying. It's clever writing in that way.
2: But yeah, you, because you know, you think how hard it is to write near future SF, much less two hundred years out. Um, you know, it's it's a way of showing, you know, of, of deliberately slowing it down.
5: Yeah. Mm. Here's 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 something weird that bothered me. I'm not sure why. Why rename San Francisco to Bay City? I mean, we we get we get a mention of Oakland, we get a mention of other cities, but San Francisco is not San Francisco;
1: it's Bay City. Why?
5: Well,
6: isn't the United States not the United States anymore as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's it's not so much renamed as nobody calls it that. You know. Yeah. Um, I think
3: okay. it's just all spread out, so it's all linked up all the way around the edge. Of the, like there is no, there is no part of the whole bay which isn't city anymore. There isn't.
5: Yeah, but yeah, but they specifically call Oakland, which is across, which is just across the yeah. bay from San Francisco. But San Francisco is not San Francisco. It just seemed like. Well, because.
1: Well, I think I, I, I'm not sure that, uh, if we looked at the book. Like I, I don't have the text in front of me, so I can't say what's capitalized. But. Um, obviously you could capitalize bay city but the thing is is if you live in a place right you don't necessarily call it what it is so uh, i live in coquitlam which nobody knows anything about it's uh, so just people just say vancouver right yeah um but i'll go over to poco and that's short for port coquitlam and there's ioco which is (laughs) imperial oil company area right and there's there's a whole bunch of these uh, uh pomo is port moody right so We've got sort of slang terms. I think this this is again just a little transformed language, showing showing us where we're deeper down uh, into a future that we don't predict. I, I like that he leaves some of that. I, I had that same concern at first, and then I just I let let it go. Because I, uh, I, I was thinking for like
5: for like half a minute because it's been 15 years since so the Red Book. Is this like an alternate world where San Francisco never never got named San Francisco say got named Bay City, and then it's like. It just seemed like it seemed video gamey and like okay, so we we'll call it base City, and then when Oakland started, like say okay, so it's not even the whole thing. It's just it's just San Francisco is not called San didn't Francisco.
1: Mysa, didn't we do a show with Paul that had that same thing happen recently? Did we? It was one of the did we? Yeah, I mean, it was a Los Angeles. It was set in Los Angeles. It it was uh, it was it was at the Big Sleep, where he just randomly renames. That part of Los Angeles, something. It, oh yeah, it was Santa happened? Monica, oh, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. And I made the same thing then. <laughs> it's like this, yeah. this is a little thing that irks me apparently. Well, I, I think he might be going. Maybe he's going in that tradition. The reason he's maybe doing that is. He's talking about police corruption in the town he lives in. You can't do that, right? I just did a search. I just did a search, yeah.
3: Bay City is mentioned 66 times. San Francisco never mentioned. Oakland is mentioned 15 times. Um, right. uh, so, yeah, it's on uh, San Diego as well and a few other places. I want to point
1: out that the the, the beauty shots that are on in the show, um, they're all set on, where's, I don't know, some other world that... Takeshi Kovacs' yep. farm or something, where Harlan's you know Harlan's somebody's world. out on the Harlan's beach. World. Yeah, Harlan's world. Oh, right. Uh, you think that's Harlan Ellison's world? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, um, I, makes sense, right?
5: Yeah, I, I, I thought that was a reference to Harlan Ellison. I, I think there's like
1: one or two other little allusions like that here and there. Yeah. But um, uh, uh, you know, on the show, the city is all indoor sets, and there's a couple like Psychosec is a building downtown uh, that's fairly distinctive, but. Other than that, uh, or uh, yeah, they go to I think in the first or second episode they go to the UBC Museum of Anthropology. Um, you get uh, that's where you see all the totem poles, I guess, uh, uh-huh. whatever episode that's in. But uh, they do make they do make uh, the the off world places a lot prettier, right? They're not this constant darkness. It's it's mossy and it's rocky and it's got beautiful oceans and. And, uh trees full of forests yeah um, and yet the backstory with uh Takashi kovach's mom and dad and uh and uh, it turns into a sister in the show um, I think is essential to making it not just a rampage book oh. right going uh, there there is a lot of uh, rampage and then smoking and sex and all <laughs> that stuff but um I think that the uh the him having this backstory with, you know, off world, is kind of interesting. What What is it like to come back to the home world and think of it as a dump, yep.
5: mm. where
1: where you didn't even want to go there? No,
5: right? and, and we just did. We just did uh, an, ep- an episode that followed where Earth is a dump, a, P- a
1: okay dick story. Which, yeah. which one are you talking about? oh uh, oh yeah impossible planet Impossible planet. Oh, okay yeah i forgot that it's such a dump that they they don't even recognize it as earth right what right? you think about the, completely destroyed how about the beginning of wally
2: right? yeah yeah, mm. um, there's, yeah. A, there's a fantastic james tiptree jr uh story about this um it shows up in one of dangerous visions collections it's about a uh, Oh, I'm blanking the name of it, about a uh, young man who remembers being raised on a planet um, – I think it's called Milk of Paradise uh, – mm. and, uh, and tells everyone about how awesome the planet is. But everyone thinks it's a myth, and he tries to get them to go there. And I, I won't ruin it for you because it's one of those great tip tree stories. It's just shattering. Um, but the uh, Earth is a dumb thing. Yeah, well, that's um, – huh. Maybe that's a good futuristic gesture. I mean, thinking about what we're doing with our earth, right? Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's um he hasn't cleaned up the world like we don't hear much about environmental damage, but um you do get the the social structure, right? Head in the clouds. Um it's It's a bit on the I nose, think, I think. I think that. it's, I think it's pretty uh, well. It's pretty it's pretty good though. And one of the things that I like is that he puts the underbelly not in the underbelly like yeah sure there's Licktown right but there's the upper class Licktown too and that's you know the final battle or whatever up up there all that stuff um, I think is is pretty good because looking looking through the telescope and seeing seeing what it is and was the Miriam Bancroft says something like um uh he he was always looking at the stars right and. There's this kind of um, great geography of of the place, of the city. And if you go watch a movie like Chinatown, where they're really, really, really riffing on, on and in a very effective way, on the Chandler-Hammett tradition, mm-hmm. it's all about you know property development or something, right? Yeah. And it turns out that what the motivation behind everything in the book is, yeah, it's it's all about the technology. It comes back to the fact that you know there's this proposition, and they're going to be able to do this, and, and the pressure applied on this guy's not going to work the right way. You know, so there's a a it's all about the money, man. It's all about the my greed. It's all it all comes back to the the puppetry uh, by the rich of of the inconsequential. Mm-hmm. And mm. I think that that's why this book, despite any flaws. And many flaws um, is just tremendous, tr- tremendous book. Yeah. Miza, well, yes, you're, you're the one who seemed
3: to be most negative about this, but we've also heard least from you, I think. So.
4: Well, what did? Okay, one of the one of my other problems with it was um, mm-hmm. the bodies. Where are they getting all these human bodies? I know that they said, "Oh, human body, we make humans are are as as easy to come across as pebbles of sand." I don't know what they said, but they're just like everywhere. But if everybody's living, if everybody has the potential to live forever and people are just killed indiscriminately and and nobody cares. Like, I just found the whole thing so meaningless. There's just so much like everybody was so disposable and throwaway. Yeah. Where are they getting all these sleeves? It just seems like well, sleeve. I agree. That they there's have some problems. They have uh, like a, I, I was expecting there to be some sort of facility where they're just birthing people to be a sleeves because I don't know where they're coming from.
3: Well, they do. They actually says when he gives her when he gives them the $80,000, he says if you you know, give it a year, she'll be able to get a custom sleeve regrown. So that is yeah. what that is what you're paying for when you work your whole life. It says you work your whole life and you get yourself another sleeve and then you work your whole life to save up for your next sleeve. And most people are just like, you know what? Just extra time isn't worth doing it to get myself a new clone um regrown or a new clone grown again for something cuz it costs 80,000 UN whatevers or something so it's it is addressed i do understand what you mean it feels like hey there should be either loads of factories just pumping up bodies all the time or you know it's there's a there's a i see what you mean there's a mismatch between the scarcity of of minds and the scarcity of bodies like there is a mismatch there in the book i do think
1: uh, especially they, with the possibilities of double sleeving and stuff like yeah. that right mm-hmm. which which once they start you don't really want to stop but i i agree my said is an issue uh, one of the things that i was thinking about, and I think I wonder if he addresses this because it had been so long since I read it. I was like, maybe he addressed this, and I just didn't notice it, and he didn't really. I thought maybe um, they just increase the number of crimes that people could commit so that you know, jaywalking. Just put them away. Is, yeah, yep, and the and you get maybe. to rent out the but
5: Larry Niven uh, Jigsaw Man problem there you go yeah part yeah.
4: of that but it did, didn't seem like there was enough people in prison to deal with it
1: yeah well the other thing is we don't get to see the rest of the planet so we don't know how much exploitation is going on there's certainly a lot of exploitation that's what head in the clouds is about right yeah, yeah. um and there are synth bodies which
6: yeah you know, they were the
3: they maybe, seem they to be a bit temporary, though. They're like, oh, I'm in a synth body, yeah, yeah but I'm saving yeah. up for a real body.
1: It seems
5: Ma- um, maybe yeah. like the maybe like the Kraken space for There's lots of cryo storage of bodies.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's funny that you mentioned the Kraken space because the Kraken space is also uh, a head in the cloud. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: That's right, with the the, the, the satellite. That's ex-
1: orbiting orbiting yeah. whorehouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's crazy. The
4: the the other thing was I didn't mm-hmm. feel invested in anybody. Like, like this, uh, this reminded me quite a bit of Westworld in a way, you know, mm. in the, in terms of die, come back yep. time, come back time. But I love Westworld and there's a lot of yeah. violence in there. And there's a lot of like all the things they have a lot of the same elements, Well, how yeah. come I can love one and really not care about another? And I think that, that I didn't have an emotional investment in anybody in this book. Whereas mm. with Westworld, for instance, I did. Like I, I I felt a connection with these characters and I and there were characters I would root for I, I wasn't rooting for anybody here like it was, it was just like de- are you, empty space.
2: Are you referring to the new West world the
3: uh, HBO one?
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: Okay, good. That's a great. Yeah, I understand. I mean, this is very very much an antihero. I don't think we're meant to identify for with this person we're just kind of meant to root for his mission that he's been put I, on I like we want
4: that. we no, want I'd to see the problem
3: solved that. and yeah. you might disagree yeah, Paul, with how he does it. i i mean to be honest the person i identify most with is jimmy the guy who carries around in his memories yeah. something like that <laughs> i'm always like hey i want like jimmy's story like who's this guy
1: he's like hanging out mm-hmm. there like that would be me i'd just be yeah, i'd just be dead <laughs> straight away um, and so. Paul is the most sympathetic character on the show right oh yeah
6: yeah he's great yeah.
1: And he's not in the book oh so oh, okay so they had to put, they put someone else in for you to be kind of
3: latching on as it's the it's the hotel
1: oh yeah. oh, oh right okay yep. yeah oh yeah. i thought you said
3: Bo. okay
1: no Paul. No. yeah oh yeah and they even give him a, a line near the end that is straight out of his poems that it, it unfinished and very well uh you know it, they're they're clever they' the, uh, they did a fairly good job with at a, adapting it I'm I can't imagine it being done better in reality so I, I, I do
5: need to finish it did you catch the two uh parallels to dollhouse Jesse
1: I didn't watch dollhouse past the first episode so I okay I uh, I uh,
5: because that. there are two actors from dollhouse that show up in the show um, okay the actress who plays his sister in the show was also okay. in dollhouse. And the uh, and the actor, good actor yeah and the actor that plays one of the demis also was in Dollhouse and you didn't watch past the first episode but there's lots of body jumping multiple bodies mm. and Bert, there's there's one episode where they basically go into virtual reality so I mm-hmm. I, I kept thinking oh my god this is, this feels so familiar oh wait yes this actress was in Dollhouse that's why it's like I mm. I, I, I was um, I I think they might might have just like enjoyed stealing some ideas from that for the show because they had the two actors on hand
3: maybe what i what i liked about the hotel is where they say yeah he's programmed in he has kind of like almost a sexual urge to have guests
0: and at the end
3: (laughs) that's the payment for the hotel helping out it's like oh yeah just send a few guests there you know a few of a few guests per year that'll do and it's all like oh that's Mm -hmm. so sad (laughs) that's so sad that the the guest is kind of like enforce
1: celibacy in that kind of
3: I want, I want people <laughs> to stay with me in me
1: it's it's interesting with the with the show that they they amp up we get sort of we get a few things that we don't get in the book and i think it helps uh, my human you probably like to show better than the
4: but i like the second half of the show better than the first half
1: i think that the like the the fact that we spend more time with ortega and her family is probably part of it right mm, yeah. is that, partly, that are, partly
4: yeah there were more there were more again there was more characters that i could sort of latch on to
1: yeah
5: there. like the grandma <laughs> for instance
1: yeah. 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 <laughs> well i have Your grandma <laughs> the uh, but i think if sorry paul uh brian right if, if i could just chime in my i
2: i appreciated the book when i read it and i enjoyed it and it led me to read more of his books But preparing for this podcast, I realized I could remember almost nothing of the book. Mm -mm. Um, I I remember general things, um, the nature of the main character, some of the world building. um, And so to try and sneak up on it, I, I read some reviews and articles about it. realized, wow, it just exited my brain really, really fast. And I don't know if it's because that space in my brain has been filled by subsequent books. Uh, mm. By by Morgan, um, or if it just it, it didn't make that much of an impression on me because the the fans I know of it. Share the opposite view that that you and I had that they really bonded with the main character. They thought he was a, hmm. a great for yes. the oh, great deal of sympathy. I <laughs> it is.
3: I just want to first say first I'm a fan of the book and right? I don't identify with the main character except that yeah. I, I do think about my penis quite a lot. TMI, know, Luke, Or TMI. it thinks about you. Thank
2: you for sharing that. but but it's and, and you know he is you can imagine he's a very very compelling character for a lot of people. I mean, you know, tragic facts. Yeah. super skilled, you know, but. Um,
6: I found him really compelling and really interesting and loved reading about him. But I, I don't I, I wouldn't say it's anything kind of like feeling sympathy or identifying with them. Just
4: yeah. just really fun to read. Like, but I do yeah. like reading characters. I, like, I, I, I just felt so sad for him. Everybody was just so there was just no everybody was just such a sad life. Like there was just yeah. no brightness. Any maybe on another planet, but it didn't seem like it was much better on Harlan's world or anywhere else. I think
1: no you, you don't turn to Morgan for for any kind of happiness yeah. <laughs> I, I,
2: I found the, some of the later books to have a, a good twisted sense of humor that I enjoyed
1: uh, a sense of humor yes yeah um, but I mean, not a, yeah I I'm trying to recall the contents of market forces and all I can tell you is I really enjoyed it and that he he really he skewers capitalism and global capitalism in a way that i really i really really appreciate it Mm -hmm. i think it is a better book than this one yeah um even though uh it has silly stuff like you know car wars (laughs) people smashing each other's cars and it is hedge fund managers play mad max that's that's kind of exactly (laughs) what it is and yet it's still a better book (laughs) even though it's ridiculous but uh it has this he's he's Thinking about how the world actually works, it's kind of horrible It's just once you once you start looking at the numbers and you say we could solve this problem by doing this, and we don't do that. What the fuck is wrong with us? Oh, I see. We're being manipulated by those who have no interest in doing that. Uh huh.
4: Or no interest in anybody except themselves.
1: That's right. Why why would I? Why would I bother to help you? I'm busy. accumulating my fortune it's apparently a to download a, my body into a new body who knows
4: what did you all I'd think about um oh sorry go ahead
3: oh no i just said jesse says it's to download your body into a new body i just said i'd do that that's that's <laughs> my uh like if you could when you die put your thing in a, like put your mind in a new body would you do it yep. i sign me up sign yep, me up I
1: would i'm not totally saying I wouldn't. I wouldn't i'm saying that uh you know people are acting as if they just need a certain amount of billions yes so that they can do that <laughs> yeah but that yeah, technology yeah. doesn't actually exist right
4: <laughs> no. yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I had a conversation with, with somebody and he was talking about how extending life extending life and, and then i was just thinking well what about everybody else if everybody can live for what about the, perpetuate you have to leave the planet to do this yeah it's like yeah. okay yeah. sure yeah. Or well, or I'll go in a clone, but then you having know,
1: babies completely yeah Oh, it's a classic, and that's ridiculous. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. But it's not something we really have to deal with, right? The, the thing is, is that life, all the all the science fiction writers who are talking about life extension. There's, yeah, extension. You get a couple of years. You, 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 you get the best kind of, you know, organ replacement. You're going to get a few more years, but you're not going to get a thousand years.
4: Yeah, but what there's about no this? technology? <laughs> even that-
1: clearly on. Yeah, well, yeah, but this. Uh, see, I, I'm not even sure it's physically possible. Uh, physically possible but i do think that if if it was if we don't just treat this as a metaphor but we treat it sort of as a uh social science fiction experiment i think it's it's pretty well done and he really does do it but people act as if people have this dream that they are going luke i i would sign up for it too i think I yeah. don't see the downside other than mentioned in this book. And they're not that bad. I'll give it a try a few times anyways. Yeah, I think but, I think that with this thought
3: experiment in this book comes hand in hand with the idea that, oh, we can push out to the stars and we can get live long lives as well. It's kind of like that there is this long view um, of the world as well. So it's weird. There's a, there's a whole thing that he keeps on saying or Bancroft keep, or he keeps saying, oh, Bancroft has been alive longer than the history of my planet. And uh, I think that's very indicative of uh, of what is needed to make it even be possible that people can live long lives.
4: Would you um, live again in the in the world of this book?
3: Uh, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's one of those this, things where you just say
3: dysto Well, to be honest, yes, I would I would always go for more life because, you know, maybe I could help change the world or maybe it won't be as bad <laughs> as it would. You know, I'd always take the chance on extra life, even if it's yeah, not in a, sure. in a great world. But what if whole it's point. in the sim like,
1: instead of in the body? Eh, I'm not so sure.
3: But is the it- point is that this world that is in this book isn't that much worse than many places that I've been on earth? In fact, if I sure. was either going to be living there or some, some places that I've been in, um, in South America and India and, and other places that I've been. Yeah. Sign me up for this. Sign me up for Bay city in a heartbeat. Over yeah, me too. <laughs> that <I've> <laughs> so it's the whole dystopia was already here. It's just, not distributed evenly or, oh no what is it the uh you is it you i can't remember what the quote is yeah no the future is here it's not, dis- uh, it's not distributed yeah,
1: evenly um, i would love
6: to like take some of those neurochims and hang out with ortega and explore that city that sounds fun
1: <laughs> she's actually not a very good person you know i mean uh, uh, the thing is is uh, it it The whole police department is super corrupt. Yeah,
3: totally. Everyone, she's super
1: corrupt. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I do like it, but in different ways.
3: Yeah. They're saying, oh, you're the guy who... No, what's his what's his body's previous body's... No, what's his body's previous name? Riker. Riker. It's sort of like, oh, yeah, Riker would go around and beat people up and do all this kind of stuff, and, uh, and he was really corrupt, and, you know, when he yeah, was put tor- under, people didn't really care. Too. And then it's sort of like, oh, yeah, and I did that, and the other guys are like, oh, and I did that, and all the Mohicans are like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were in on that as well. And like, as it comes out through the book, you just realize, oh, it wasn't just Riker who was the bad cop. There are no good cops. That is the that is except for maybe the internal investigation people or
1: whatever it is but uh, who are mentioned sort of like internal investigation Ah, we don't need to worry about that we don't really get to see the the world from any of the civilians point no, of view we like don't. Just, I mean uh, maybe some of those guys who have being killed in the torture facility yeah they had, were had like the what about me I've got a, I've yeah. got a wife and a daughter this is just my job get another job I'm working on a puzzle at
3: home
2: say <laughs> <It's like, laughs> so one of the things that, that really interests me about this about this book. And about the series and about their, their both of their successes is that um, you know we're seeing cyberpunk as a subgenre really have extended life. Um, I mean that's pretty amazing for early 1980s science fiction development. You know, you, you think about some of the other subgenres that that bloom or fade. That's that's really impressive, and it's not just a subgenre within science fiction or within a narrow subculture, like say. Um, Uh, steampunk or alternate history i mean this is something that has a lot of popular appeal Uh, i mean it it may be one of those rare cases where science fiction does a really good job of describing an unfolding future
3: no i think it's just ridley scott did really well with blade runner and everyone's like yeah let's have more of that and any book which kind of dials into that people are like yeah more of that um, although, I, yeah, but there's not that many i mean how many have there have been since this there's book? not that many good ones this is one of the few good
1: cyberpunk right there's like yeah. four good cyberpunk novels ever and this More is what i've only got two so far neuromancer and this one yeah <laughs> but, 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 uh, g- give me this or neuromancer to read again i'd read this one again really yeah wow. luke I would, I would i think they're both pretty damn good i would but neuromancer, I, take neuromancer
2: neuromancer remains the great one i'd say uh i agree I would disagree, Luke, about the... Uh, just push back a little bit on, on, on your education of the 1982 Blade Runner because keep in mind that it was a commercial failure when it came out. Uh, it was also a critical failure. It was disliked by many, many people. Uh, it yeah. took years for it to it almost Almost, a, not a cult classic is the right word for it, but it had a kind of subterranean vibe that really took, yeah. took time. To, uh, um, I remember teaching it in, uh, in the 1990s and my students really hating it. It was interesting. Oh no,
3: I don't like the movie. I think it's an amazing movie. I think it's a, a masterpiece movie that I just don't enjoy watching very much. Uh, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. one of, of those bu- one of those movies where I'm like, everything about this movie is good, and I get to the end and I cry, but a massive parts of it, I'm just like, I'm just not enjoying myself in this at all. So I'm not saying that it's a great movie. I'm just saying it has such a cultural impact that, like, right. when right. when you read Neuromancer, it's very difficult for to separate out the image of of Blade Runner from that. You know, it's like this book would only exist. I I don't find, I don't find it hard.
1: I don't find it hard. I find it hard to see even see Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep in Blade Runner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. no no. Uh, yeah, that's why I'm not
3: saying it's, Philip K Dick is is the 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 where it comes from or what people are copying. I'm saying Blade Runner is the idea of identity and uh, what is human, you know, what is human, what is consciousness in human What is, is this person a real person or not a real person? I mean, that's what comes through in all of these cyberpunk books. It it does. Um, And
2: and there's more than just, you know, four or five great ones. I mean, you want to think about the influence of, say, uh, the criminally underappreciated Jack Womack, who had, you know, his wonderful series of hilarious books, which are perhaps, I would say, the most prescient uh, for describing the 21st century of them all. You want to think about uh, the huge presence of cyberpunk you know, in computer gaming, in film, in manga. Uh, everything mm-hmm. you mentioned goes to the Shell, right? Which already is you know, a whole series of artifacts, uh, and it doesn't have to be a masterwork to have uh, that kind of power and influence. Uh, just to be able to persist, and I think that's that's one of the fascinating things about it. And just watching the the Netflix series, which is what 16 years after the uh, the book came out, I mean, it's fascinating to see how that's just become. A modern myth uh, that explains things for us on a par, with say, the myth of uh, Frankenstein. Uh, I mean, that's that's a real extraordinary development. And if I look back in the previous forty years of science fiction, I can't find much else that had that kind of power impact.
5: So I, I think I, th- it, I think it takes time to actually recognize that something has had power mm. because it just yeah. sometimes things are slow burns. I mean, we're too close to uh, books. Mm written in the last four or five years to know whether anything's eventually going to herald anything new it's just we're just yeah. too soon we're just too close
3: mm-hmm. yeah this is this is what i see with it is it the Golan's masterwork series and i'm like how long does a book have mm-hmm. to be out before right. it's classed as a masterwork and i think when <laughs> ian m banks is um player of games or use of weapons or something is in there and i'm like yeah okay that's good you know late 90s it's been out 20 years now i call it a masterwork it's kind of stood the test of time for 20 years but it has to be you have to wait 20 years for something to be a classic
1: or a masterwork, or, 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 or to forty years. There's forty years for Moby Dick. Oh yeah, or yeah,
5: but, you know. but that but that was a slower, different time, Jesse. We're in a more accelerated. <laughs> we're,
1: we're, we're, I don't believe that. I we're, don't believe we're, that We're,
5: we're, in, we're in a little more accelerated, sort of. You know, that's what everybody
1: always says, but, but it still but it still takes exactly. time.
5: It doesn't just take Uh, as much time, I don't think.
1: No, I I think think it does. I I think think
3: it takes more time. Like, movies that come out and win Oscars, everyone's buzzing about them. I think it actually takes more time to actually work out what is the good movie. Because it's certainly not La La Land. And it's certainly
2: not. Oscars (laughs) are are a terrible way of doing it. I mean, if you take a look back at the uh, Best Picture Oscar winners, it's like almost a, a photo negative version of quality. Um, yeah, mm-hmm.
3: You've got crap. so uh, that's what I'm saying. It actually takes longer to get it sorted out as movies and other things get like locked in as that, oh, this is a good one by, you know, quick the quick hype machine. It actually takes longer for that to sort of settle out. Unlike movies which spread by word of mouth or, you know, they'd open in six cinemas and then 10 cinemas and then like 1,000 cinemas and it took quality, well, maybe not quality, but it took more than just a, a Twitter blitz or an Oscar nomination to get that far. But...
1: It's good, good speech takes a long time and short speech uh is advertising no no i think so, i think there's some i think there's some amazing movies and amazing books coming out now but
3: it's i just say we're gonna have to leave it 20 years to, to know actually how good they are and how much influence they have um you know you you, you see a, a movie like um mad max or something everyone was quoting that 20 years ago but i think it's sort of like mad max fury road has actually shown oh, actually all of the stuff that's in fury road was was in those earlier movies but it's kind of like now finding its final form i don't know it's a tricky one to think about
4: you got to come back in 20 years in a new sleeve and see
1: yeah Ha uh, ha. Huh. this is um i, is- I want to point out that uh there's another thing in here connecting it to neuromancer all the evil corporations are named SA at the end, uh, Society Anonymous or whatever it is. The it's the European version of LLC or corp or corporation, right? Yes. And if we think back to Neuromancer, which I think is just an amazingly awesome, even better book. It's got meths in it too. Yep. Um, they do it a different way. just And cool. test your test your Aspel S- SA right. And it even has the orbital, um, yep. you know, final battle scenes, the final run, and uh, and what they've done in the show, in a certain sense, is sort of make that connection even clearer with the with the AI down on the surface um, being the client, right, um, or wherever the AI is, and and it, it, if you start doing a comparison between the two books, I think you'll find many, many other than you know it's their cyberpunk the plot is essentially identical and case is this um veteran mercenary in the same way so i i can't i can't uh, think of it as a blade runner book as much as a neuromancer book mm-hmm. no i'm saying but neuromancer was also a blade runner book that's what i'm saying
2: no it uh yeah wasn't. Not really. denies it um but anyway speaking it of, looks like it speaking of long and short speech this has been a two-hour podcast and i'm i'm out of time oh.
3: <laughs> i need to go and get
1: dinner as well my dinner time is coming up at seven o'clock and it's almost seven o'clock are you guys gonna do a show on uh on on it you said juliana i yeah she's reading it. so what show. we're gonna
3: do is we're gonna do like a joint this is about the book It's actually a bit more about the tv show because you said to me oh don't bother with the tv show we're actually just going to be discussing the book was like yeah no i i said you don't the only thing you have to do is read the book uh, okay if you want to well, well if i'd have now. known that everybody else had watched at least the first few episodes i would have watched the first few episodes because i kind of uh, didn't join in no we'll uh,
1: just remember while you're watching it uh, Miriam Bancroft gets a punch in the face from me <laughs> so uh we will we will do a, a, a about the uh, more about the
3: tv show but we'll both have read the book so we'll talk about we will do an episode about it as well uh, but that I've got a work trip so that's next two weeks and so I'll do uh, so I'll watch the whole show in the next two weeks on my work trip and then we'll do it when we get back uh, and Julian will watch it when I'm home um
1: so. I actually I want to say uh, like the reason I'm not ninety I'm only ninety nine point five percent sure is um, I would seen her in other stuff I can't remember and I recognized her face and her name I'm like I think I know her yeah right and then what happened was I looked her up on Wikipedia or IMDb or whatever and said she was born in Toronto and like oh it's probably not her um, but apparently that's wrong she was born in New Westminster which is near nearby here. And that would mean she was born at the only hospital nearby here. So she's probably actually from Coquitlam. And and I only found that out like uh, when I started watching the show. And I said, oh... I- that's her again.
6: And it was probably right, so your your sleeve was having like a reaction to her, like it's your wrist.
1: Your <laughs> wrist <first>
6: remembers her.
3: <laughs> it says here she was born in New Westminster, grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia. So it says it right there. Yeah, and she's the same it age says as Vancouver, you. Same age yeah. as you. So yeah, why not? It's first uh, just or, like
1: you, I know her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like uh, I reckon, like uh, it, it looks like the same person. Blonde, you know, tall. Well, I don't know, medium medium height, but also she. She's got a very punchable face. I gotta stop. I gotta stop. stop, <laughs> it. That's, stop, that's, it, your stop that's your history. That's your history. Is dinner ready? She makes a good yeah, bad we just, guy.
3: We're just about finishing up. We finished, but now we're just doing some after chatty yeah, bits.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, it's great
2: talking about this book with you all. Thank you so much.
3: Sorry, oh, that I, I was a bit delayed and in interrupting people. I, I kept on thinking people stopped talking, and then I'm like, like that. It's always tricky doing these big groups of not people. I yeah. think some people I'm listening to via Jesse well. or something. I'm not sure. Like I would hear them via. Je- I don't know. It seems a bit weird. So uh-huh. we got it. to a the podcast, then. say are they, you see you just broke up though. I didn't hear anything you just said. Sorry. Uh, I look forward to listening to your podcast. Yeah. Ah, about too. Alter carbon. Yeah. Okay. Well, Julian here. Say I've never say. Heard ha- Say hi, Juliana. Hello. Miser is on. Hello. Hi, hi, hi Juliana. Juliana. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, in stereo.
4: <laughs> that <does> sounds funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, what's, what's the next book that we're going to do?
3: Just this one, isn't it?
1: Uh, oh. uh, Annihilation is the next one you guys are going to be on. Juliana and Luke. Oh, yes. I, um, actually, I've Marissa. Did you? And Paul. That as an
3: e book. Yeah. So uh, you have it on. Oh, because I, I, I listened no, to I
4: read it in the library app.
3: Ah, uh, library app. Uh, okay. No, no. I'll I'll might listen to the audio And in German,
4: that. to be honest. Oh, was it? <laughs> well,
3: okay. So I might do. Oh, that curry! You made a curry. Yeah. It smells really good.
4: It's good.
3: good. Um, it's
4: a pity you guys can't smell it.
3: Say hi to Marissa. She's on there as well.
6: Oh, hey Marissa. Hello. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? How are good. the cold? <laughs> ah, the cold is horrible. But the the temperature here is nice, so that's good.
4: That's nice. I know. I
6: it's funny really talking fun. to you guys after so many years. Actually. Aww. It is. It's been a long well, time since Berlin. Mm, yeah. yes Are you planning on coming to Berlin at some point again? Yeah. Like, I might try and do it next year or something. Cool.
3: Yeah. I'll I just follow along answer. with you on uh, Instagram or whatever it is and see yeah. your hikes. Top, yeah.
4: Yeah.
6: How close do
3: you live to those hills that you hike to? Do you walk there or do you have to drive yeah. there and hike?
6: No, I you walk you... there. Oh, cool. Sweet. Yeah. It's great. Well,
1: uh, what's the story on honey bear
6: oh she still lives
1: okay good he,
6: yeah he still um, doesn't know how to do it so
1: maybe my mom's dog's uh been scrapping and uh, my mom said the latest injury that happened uh, turns out it probably wasn't from the other dog it was from just something happened in a hike and uh she yeah. s- she said if that was if that was another injury that would be the end of that dog oh god it's so because bad. that's sad yeah you, when they're when you've got dogs and they're inflicting incredible injuries on each other, and that increases the hospital bills yeah. by endless mm-hmm. amounts, yeah, you got to do something because somebody's getting hurt. Yeah, mm. in the Scary. back account. Organic damage, as it were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sad. Do you think? Well, thank you, everybody. Book,
3: wait a second. This mm? is just just another question. Do you think at the end of the book the dog creature has a human in it or not? i didn't i didn't think it did but um but they say they even... say someone's got a tiger sleeve so i'm wondering if it only Oh, interesting oh. you know so
6: did i put some in
1: your brains which you didn't want i'm not sure
6: i didn't want that in my like in the, yeah. my brain during the book <laughs> on the show
1: they have somebody sleeved in a snake okay um and then it's I, torture I, uh, it, yeah Ugh. Well, the the interesting thing that is there there's a philosophy paper Brian may have heard of it I don't know if you guys have um, called what it is like to be a bat, <laughs> um, and it's a very famous uh, philosophy paper. It's a mo- sort of modern and and it's it's about this stuff called qualia, which is the which is a lot what this is this book is about he didn't actually have that as a shout out in the yeah. book but that's why he talks um, about his penis all the time that's part of it but it's, <laughs> that's,
3: oh. come up? Uh, yeah about he's talked about his penis a lot that we did we did I'm touch glad on that a other
1: people see that too
3: yeah not just me <laughs> they were saying there's lots of sex scenes and i was saying no there's two two sex scenes that's all there is anyway
1: uh, there's a lot of scenes where he becomes around. Yes, there yeah. is. A,
3: there is a lot of talk of his penis, and
1: there's even a masturbation scene or, or an attempted masturbation. Uh, this is oh, the thing. A at, lot of... at the end, actually, no, Yuliana's no. sitting next to me. She hasn't. She hasn't read the book. Okay. No,
4: but at the start, the first thing he's doing, like, oh, I go to sleep. I tried masturbating. It didn't work. I yeah. fell asleep. <laughs> what? All right. Okay.
3: Anyway, Julianne is only like thirty percent the way through. Right, we're gonna go and eat some curry, and so uh, see you guys later.
6: <laughs> All right. See you, to you later. You Bye. Bye.
1: This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. Misa, what's your next book? Um, it's
4: um a Robert he- a Heinlein one.
1: Oh, yeah, Glory Road. Yes, Glory, Glory Road. On the road. Ah. On the road to Glory Road.
6: And what's our next Philip K. Dick? Because um.
1: The commuter. It's next week. Uh, the commuter. Next Sunday. Yeah. Okay. I will dig that out and yep. uh, send so the that, uh, the yep. video version as well. Um, that uh, is an excellent story, by the way. Short story is. Oh. I think it's terrific. And pay attention to the furniture.
5: Okay. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. And then the week after we have Dune, then Annihilation. Yeah, also and then
1: a blank, which we'll probably fill with another Philip K. Dick. Okay. Because. Did you guys see uh, Evans doing some YouTube uh, versions of his podcast? Now? Oh, I've not seen that. It's um that it, it's not better to have video. It's just a fact. It's but a, um,
5: it's a it's a different way of handling it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You get to see him unshaven in his Taiwanese apartment. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Um, yeah and uh, I I added the shadow out of time uh, a while ago we've got Julie Hoverson, Brian Mr. Jim Moon and Paul if you are interested in that story uh, Marissa um, do you know the the plot?
6: Um, it's yes. Lovecraft kind of similar to I this do. one now that I think about it I do like that one um...
1: it's set in Australia oh no well it has some Australia but it's a guy gets re-sleeved
5: <laughs> oh <Interesting, huh>? yeah! <laughs> oh my God, that's that's. Isn't a, it
1: weird how these things all connect?
5: The great use of the original Reese levers. Yeah. So what's that? April 1st? Yeah. first. Yeah. No
6: fooling. Oh yeah, that'd be pretty cool all actually. I like that one.
1: That's yeah. that's Easter. That's uh, no April first is is, is is not Easter, is it? Isn't isn't, a, isn't Easter April first this year? I don't know. You're just fooling.
5: No, I'm not. It is Easter. Oh. Okay.
4: I thought that was illegal.
1: Um, We're going to put out... What was the show? I, oh, Neverwhere.
6: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, the one That's I missed. That's going
1: to go out tonight. Was it fun? Oh, it's... Fun? it's. I think we had... It's two hours.
6: Oh, wow. Yeah, so, yeah,
1: yeah we just yeah. went on and on. <laughs> I think we did <laughs> very well below. with it. <laughs> You know, I realized uh, there was something I didn't say... Uh, that I wanted to do the connection it comes up with San Francisco again is Emperor Norton do you guys know about this guy yes no who said no I said I, no no okay okay um, Emperor Norton was this homeless dude who lived in San Francisco and he said I'm Emperor Norton <laughs> and he started issuing his own money <laughs> um, for paying for things like I'm Emperor of the United States what? He said. And when he did this, eventually, the uh, at some point, the restaurants where he would eat his meals would accept his script, <laughs> his, his money as payment.
6: Oh, my God, he sounds awesome. And he became awesome. like
1: a celebrity in the town just for being this weird homeless guy who claimed to be the emperor of the United <laughs> States.
6: Cool. I love him. What, he- <laughs> yeah. what was the link to Navalware?
1: Well, that's kind of you know the Marquis de Carabas is not a, really a marquis; he's a homeless uh, dude. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, and all of these you know, <laughs> people have titles, and their their, their their titles are you know Old Bailey. Well, that's that's not a guy; that's a place, yeah. right? That's so pretty cool. It is. It, it's kind of the um, what I like about that story is not that there's a homeless guy who thinks he's he's uh, Napoleon or whatever. It's that people somehow make his false reality real yeah
5: that's
1: great mm-hmm. yeah he became he's got an extensive wikipedia entry I'm sure
5: yeah I Paul, you, you must
1: have heard of this guy I right?
5: I, I have in fact there's uh, in one of my alternate history game books is an history where the United States falls apart and they and the Californians decide to make Emperor Norton basically their emperor because they figure he'd be mostly harmless but he actually turns out to be do a decent job
1: <laughs> says uh Joshua Abraham Norton, 1818 to 1880, known as Emperor Norton, was citizen of San Francisco, California, who in 1859 proclaimed himself Norton I, Emperor of the United States, He ah. later assumed the secondary title of Protector of Mexico. Wait,
6: Nick, Neil Gaiman's mentioned on his wiki.
1: Oh, is he? Okay. Wow. It sounds like a, oh yeah, Mark Twain. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Mark, Mark Twain, met I wonder where, uh, oh, he must be in Sandman because I don't, I don't i don't recognize where he's unless it's from american gods or something I,
6: yeah I, maybe
1: he's not a major character in any of them i don't think
5: no but he's, he's a weird interesting bit of real history yeah.
1: efforts to name san francisco oakland bay bridge for emperor norton <laughs> That's like the, the what's, Bodie McBoatface Bo- 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 Boat- or
5: something. Yeah, Bodie McBoatface.
1: Boat- 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 <laughs> Boat- oh, my. Uh, People want to leaven their reality with a little humor instead of having everything being branded with with uh, Bo- corporate names. US I think Bank I'm Stadium.
5: Oh,
1: yeah. 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 This is yeah. Where they had the Super
5: Bowl this year. You, you drive by, it says US Bank Stadium in big letters. Yep. Uh, can't get away from the branding
1: by the way um I, i'm really angry about the tide ad thing why you know the tide ad that happened on the because tide is really bad for you <laughs> like it it, it it somebody i saw somebody do a tweet um uh socrates is he's giving his last lecture before he drinks the hemlock and and somebody hands him a tide pod oh god and, uh, you know oh, this uh,
5: thing right Huh? There's a weird yeah. thing about people eating these things,
1: right? Why? But the thing the is, is, it's bad for your outside of your skin. Like it, 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 it's like I if I put Tide on, if if my clothes were washed and tied, I wouldn't be able to wear the clothes. They like oh, really to throw them out because oh. yeah, powder it, it, and it's pod? sticky. Everything's bad. It's evil shit, and really, oh, it's really bad. And the, the smell of it uh, give me a massive headache. And it's not just me. There's actually, like, if you do a search for people reacting to to it, there are lots of people who have it as an allergy. The thing is, is why is Tide a major brand? It's, it seems to be because everybody knows it's a product. It's, yeah. it's one of these things yeah. where you could just advertise enough. You, you dominate the it's market. It's
6: horrible how that works. Like, you just repeat it enough times, and then yeah. that's it.
4: That's all you got to do. People are like, oh, okay. Today. Have just, I have to buy laundry detergent. I would make sure not to buy Tide.
1: <laughs> well, if you if you could go to London Drugs, <laughs> my favorite store, um, they they have uh, there's a product I buy there called Nelly's laundry detergent. It's basically just soda, uh, you know. It has no scent. It has you know it does nothing to your clothes except remove the dirt and leave them smelling completely like nothing. Yes. They don't smell like anything, <laughs> and that's exactly how I want my clothes to smell like. Like, I, I can't even tell if there's a shirt under my nose or you know, <laughs> anything like and And, uh, yeah, it's like even th- some stuff, you know, smells like bleach or fresh laundry smell or whatever. Nothing it smells like absolutely nothing because it's basically just raw.